Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. Don't mind me, I'm just writing something down. <laughs> I got birds outside my window. This is great. It's that time of year. This has been an amazing April uh, in Florida. Uh, we're up here in the Panhandle, up on the Gulf Coast, um, about 30 minutes from Pensacola, as you head east towards just the entire rest of Florida, actually. Uh, but it's, it's been beautiful. I mean, April sometimes gets hot. I mean, the mosquitoes are out, and they're tiny here. Uh, Florida mosquitoes are, are very small which is kind of terrible. At least in New England, you can see them coming because you can hear them like half a mile away. Ah, mosquitoes coming, especially when you get a flock of them. You know, they, they actually create their own wind current. Um, but here they're small, so they're sneaky. <laughs> they kind of get you and they're gone. All of a sudden, you don't feel them. It's like, oh, wow, yeah, I got a mosquito bite. Hmm, yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> so you just got to know, uh, you know what time they're out. But uh, otherwise, it's been great. But I, hear, I heard birdies outside my window. And so it's really great. So all of a sudden, you know, Louis Armstrong comes to mind. What a beautiful world, you know, and I'm thinking, wow, geez, I'm, I'm like seeing Louis Armstrong here, um, thinking, you know, what a beautiful world. And it's, it's great. You know, we've got action radio. We've got, uh, you know, I got now dogs barking out there now. It's not quite the same thing. Give me the birds back. I like the birds. So the birds are really cool. Anyway, so uh, uh, one of the problems is when the neighbors, <laughs> you know, um, as, as is happening around uh, our, our beautiful community, all these housing developments and the landscape is disappearing, the trees are disappearing. You know, there's a lot more uh, areas that are subdivisions, homes. And of course, they have no trees. And we, you don't have birds unless you have trees because the birds aren't going to walk around on the ground. There's cats down there. You know, so, uh, so you, you, know, you lose your trees, you lose your birds, you lose your, your squirrels, you lose, you lose a lot of things. And so we have this beautiful bike riding trail. Uh, that's getting more and more housing developments. And I, I think there'll be like a little strip of about 10 feet of green on either side. And that's going to be it. And I'm going to miss my, my rabbits and armadillos and squirrels and bluebirds and all the other things that are out there. So uh, I'm big on preserving open space. And so what we don't have here that we should have, of course, is a, a growth management plan that's really good. That includes, you know, preserving farmland, preserving open space, preserving tourism, uh, doubling the size of our historic district and a bunch of other things that I'd love to see. And I've, you know, published a, a, a report and done all kinds of things. And we'll see what happens. Uh, I guess the city's working on that. But the, the, the money, you know, the developers come in and the, they want to build houses everywhere. They don't care. They're national. It doesn't matter to them if they screw up our county. Uh, it matters to us. And so as some folks are fighting for uh, uh, a recall bill, to get rid of uh, bad county commissioners, you know, I, that's uh, my contention is whenever you have either a recall or a term limit, you know, you're just going to replace one corrupt politician with another corrupt politician. So you go for, through a lot of effort for nothing. What you really need to do is shut off the money spigot. <laughs> you know, so uh, in other words, uh, anybody that has a business before uh, the county um, should not be able to contribute to uh, the campaign of the supervisors. I mean, that to me would be a lot more effective. Same thing. Anybody who has business before the city should not be able to contribute to the members of the city council. And so that, that, that goes, you know, unless you're like a really, yeah, I might be an exception for, for local business. That's also only in the county. Okay. Cause now it's different. Cause now you got a stake in it. All right. But if you're some, if you're a business located outside the county, you have no business contributing any money. Uh, to any elected official in our county. I mean, that's just, uh, you know, it, it's funny. I never intended to talk about this. It just kind of happened. See what happens when I hear birds out the window? <laughs> this is where my mind goes. But think about it. Why should anybody um, be able to contribute to any member, any, any politician um, that they had business before, you know, and then be able to give them money? 
or issues before them. I mean, that's just crazy. So anyway, the, the real thing to do with politics is not change the people, but change the system. Um, that would include, you know, taking, uh, uh, and I have, to, I have to write this bill. It's one of the many bills I want to write once I get some staff and get away from some of the administrative duties I have to do, um, is to get a bill that would uh, ban anybody from belonging to a party during the time when they're serving office. But great, but great, free speech, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, okay, we can still speak anything you want. You can still speak freely. But uh, what's happening is they're not representing the people anymore. They're representing the party. And because they're representing their party, um, that's actually a violation of, of their constitutional oath to uh, support we the people uh, and defend the Constitution. Well, the Constitution, you know, uh, doesn't include the word party. <laughs> it's not there. Uh, and so there's no reason, you know, for anybody to be able to belong to a party. You can't claim it as a constitutional right. Uh, you can't claim it as a free speech right because you can speak anything you want. And besides, if, you, if, you, if money is changing hands, that's not speech. That's commerce. You know, they, they talk about this, that, uh, you know, we have unlimited contributions and pack money and all that kind of stuff. That's commerce. That's not free speech. If you're giving money to a candidate and you're expecting a greater return in terms of legislation, especially taxation legislation, benefits or, or perks or money being spent on you, that's commerce. And commerce can be regulated. You know, the interstate, uh, the, the, the commerce clause gives Congress the ability to regulate commerce. Well, that means they can regulate money coming to and from members of Congress because that's commerce. So, so change your definitions and, and everything will become much more understandable. Um, that's not what I wanted to talk about this morning. Uh, what I really want to talk about, I can't. Uh, that's the problem uh, because of all this stuff I'm bursting to say, but I can't do it because there's, there's, there's uh, some amazing contacts being made with Action Radio. There's some amazing people who are going to come on the show. I'm not going to mention na- even I'm not going to mention names yet um, because when it happens, you'll know. <laughs> Trust me, you'll know. Uh, but there's some some behind the scenes things that are just unbelievable. This is the most exciting place I believe in media today, right here at Action Radio, because we're pioneers. We do things that nobody's ever done before. Uh, you know, from our citizen legislation, I'll tell you the thing I am working on. Uh, and that's to have uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. Uh, endorse our vaccine product liability bill and our big tech censorship bill. Those are the two most important bills right now. They're one page each. They're very simple to understand. Anybody can go through them and, and just take a look and go, oh, that's all you have to do to change legislation? Yeah, that's all you have to do. You know, a few words here and there, and you can reverse almost anything. So with our vaccine bill, and you should, everybody should check this out too. I mean, I, I don't think I talk about our legislation enough uh, on the show because there's so much else going on. And I figure by now people can just go to writeyourlaws.com and take a look, but that's not happening. So let's, uh, let's, let's remind you. So the, the main website is the show here, blogtalkradio.com slash citizen action. That's what you're listening to. The top show is always going to be the one that's about to air, the one that's airing live, uh, or the most recent podcast show. And it just goes from there. The second site that you need to know is writeyourlaws.com, W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S, writeyourlaws.com, okay? And then also there's my, my Substack, gregpenglis.substack.com. Got another article I'll put out today on the conservative response to the minimum wage. And that's from a previous article I wrote. I'm sort of alternating between my old articles and, my, and uh, ones I'm writing currently. Uh, but the old ones that I publish are just as current today as when I wrote them. Uh, for that bill, I just have to um, adapt the numbers for inflation because it's, it's gotten worse since I wrote it uh, back in 2014. But the same problems are still here, so, you know. Um, but that, and the last one is givesendgo.com slash action radio. That's our contribution site. And so vaccine product liability, which is the number one bill that has to go through, you know, and I, I've been thinking about this. This is kind of a, a change in my own philosophy. When I first started this, uh, back during the Trump administration, when times were good, when we had a real president, not a, an insurrectionist in office, uh, not a coup leader, 
uh, who's not going to come back again. And, I, you know, I think the whole thing's going to be run by artificial intelligence next time. You're never going to see him. He's never going to speak. He's going to be like uh, uh, 1984. He'll be like the, the, the image on the TV screen that's not real. So we're heading for, uh, we're heading for a 2024-1984 election. Uh, we might as well even call it that. You know, the, the, the 19, the, we should call it the Big Brother election. <laughs> that's pretty much where we're going with it. Anyway, um, but uh, it's, uh, it's very strange what's, uh, uh, what's happening uh, as far as that goes. But uh, now I've completely lost my train of thought. I have no idea what I was talking about. <laughs> this, this is ADHD. Oh, legislation. So uh, nobody prompted me. I was here. <laughs> it's just me uh, and you. And so the um, vaccine probability legislation. Now, the first part uh, gets rid of the, uh, the vaccine uh, fund. Well, because you don't need that because Big Pharma is going to pay. The second part declares the emergency over for real. Now we're kind of like in a quasi over, we think maybe, and I guess more is going to happen in May. But I wrote this bill two years ago. So I was already calling two years ago for the emergency to be over because it really ended back in uh, uh, mid-July of 2020. And I've got the CDC chart to prove it. After that, they started lying uh, because they had to preserve fear uh, in order for people to be uh, coerced into uh, taking the jab. And then, of course, they had to be mandated into it because people with common sense said, hell no, I'm not doing this. Um, anyway, so that, that bill, the most important part are the, one, the two places in law where it says vaccine manufacturers shall not be liable, you know, for, for in civil lawsuits for, the, for any damages, right? Well, I just take shall not be liable and, and change it to shall be fully liable. It's just a couple of words. You do that in two places in law, you go from shall not be liable to shall be fully liable, and that reverses. So that makes, you know, Big Pharma completely liable for their products like everybody else is. Okay, so I'm not asking for anything new or special or different for Big Pharma. I'm just asking that they be held to the same standard as everybody else, especially since they produce a product that has been mandated, jabbed into people's arms, nobody knows what's in it, it's completely experimental, and people are dying in record numbers. Young people are dying in, in, in record numbers. This has never happened before. Is the news reporting it? No, we are. Well, some places are. One American News is. They're, they're being pretty good. Newsmax, yeah, sort of. You know, in fact, I'm really curious, <laughs> which brings up uh, Tucker Carlson. Where is he going to end up? That's going to be that's going to be fun to see. Um, hopefully one American news. I mean, that's my favorite. So it'd be great if he was there. All right. The other bill, big tech censorship is very simple. It keeps half of Section 230 uh, and changes the other half. So the, the half it keeps is that big tech. Uh, providers of what they call interactive computer services, uh, and that is uh, social media and search engines. So the big tech folks, Google, Facebook, are like the two biggest examples, one for a search engine and one for social media. So it says to big tech, okay, we're going to keep you, we're not going to make you publishers like the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, things like that. Those are publishers. So they can be held liable. They can be held responsible for what's there. See, big tech should not, cannot, and should not be held liable for what users, that's you and me, do on social media, and, uh, and what happens as a result of search engines. That's not something the big, big tech's just providing the service. So they're not liable for that. So they should have immunity. The difference with my bill is I make that immunity conditional. Okay, this is the key. So they're immune for what the users, us, do on social media and with search engines. However, and this is the big however, if they touch anything that you do or post on social media or search for. If they arrange search engines in any kind of algorithm other than the raw number of hits, if they, have, if they touch your account, if they touch your postings, if they touch your messenger or even look at it, okay, then that, that immunity is gone. It's revoked. So they're immune for, from what you do unless they touch what you do. It's that simple. Well, that's, that's the end of censorship because as soon as they're liable, 
if they touch what you do, you know, there's no shadow banning, there's no censorship, there's no algorithms, there's no uh, uh, any of the community standards, there's no fact checking, none of that stuff. That's all gone because their asses are on the line for for massive for billions of dollars of liability. Okay, that's the end. liability is freedom. So those are the two most important bills because they use liability. And I'm learning more and more that the key to freedom is liability. If you're if you're liable for what you do, then the people that you affect are free to do something about it. So so liability really is freedom. You know, there's just a there was a legal conference uh, in Atlanta, and I still haven't heard anything that, that positive come out of it. I'm still waiting. The most positive thing would have been, you know, to have Action Radio there talking about big tech liability and vaccine liability. But we weren't asked, so we didn't go. There was no speech. There's nothing. But we, we literally are the answer to everything that they were asking. It's that simple. These are the answers. Legislation. Starting with we the people. Okay. Media. Hopefully media will pick up the ball and start broadcasting to we the people so everybody knows about it. And they can des- decide if they want to support the legislation or not. From, from media to people to government. That's how I used to think people to media to government. Now, I don't, I don't believe that anymore because people, I tell people, you know, about us and I ask them to share the bills and uh, it's not happening because it's not big enough. As soon as it gets big and everybody else is doing it, then people will do it. You know, nothing succeeds like success. So at this point, we need media. We need major public figures like Robert Kennedy. Uh, hopefully Donald Trump would be great if he endorsed us too. But, I'll, you know, I'll start with Robert Kennedy. Uh, and if he endorses our vaccine product liability bill, that's news. That's huge news because he would then be endorsing something written by a regular person, in this case, me. And that's how, that's how it happened. That's what I'm hoping for. All right. So, the, so go to writeyourlaws.com, click on legislation, click on all proposed laws, and that's where you'll find um, vaccine product liability. You'll find big tech. You'll find our bill, our constitutional amendment to take the power of Congress to borrow money, which would solve like 99% of our economic problems. You'd find a bill to disarm the federal bureaucrat army. Uh, you'd find a bill that uh, says you, you won't have your, uh, uh, there'll be no money withheld from your paycheck until you've earned the amount of your standard deduction to file for a refund in most cases, because you know, the money's not taken in the first place. So you get your, your money a year earlier. You know, Democrats will see that as helping working families. Republicans will see it, you know, as a tax cut. I don't care how they look at it as long as they pass it because it's the right thing to do. All right. So I'm looking at uh, Facebook this morning and a friend of mine posted uh, this Dominion um, logo. And I looked at it and I said, uh, well, that's interesting. And what it was is the, the logo. And apparently this is circulating on Facebook. And so there's a logo of Dominion, which has a red ballot going into a red voting machine. And then at the bottom of it is it coming out a blue ballot with the implication being that the, the logo of Dominion voting machines, the people that stole the election, made it possible through their corrupt machines, you know, to the Internet, you know, wherever they go to. So the hackers can change the votes in the dead of night when everybody's asleep. You know, and that's how Trump was ahead at 10, at 10 p.m. on November 3rd of 2020. And by the next morning, Brandon was ahead in just enough districts to give him the 270 votes. Yeah, what a coincidence. Gee, how'd that happen? Well, the, the machines were hacked, the results were changed, and that's how it happened. So obviously anybody with a brain knows that, that uh, you know, Joseph R. Biden in his diminished mental capacity could not possibly beat Donald Trump in a fair election. That's just logical. Uh, and so because he couldn't beat him, they had to cheat. Now they're, gonna have to, they're really going to have to cheat because everybody knows what he wants to do. And it's not just him. It's the whole deep state. The government, the government of the United States chose the government of the United States. The people didn't. We chose Donald Trump. So the government chose the government. And when the government chooses the government, Here's what, here's what they get. Here's what they want for us. They want globalist control, World Health Organization health mandates. They want uh, a terrible economy. 
Um, hey, Marco's in the, the Netherlands. Good morning, Marco. Nice to hear you there. Oh, special announcement for the Netherlands. Netherlands is now number four on our list of international countries. Marco, you must be telling friends of yours you know, about the show, which is great. You know, we got to get uh, we got to get a reporter from the Netherlands on the show. I got to uh, uh, check in on the Skype line and see if that's uh, back up and, and running. But people can call uh, if you look on um, our broadcast page. There's a Skype code, so you can call the show directly on the internet, uh, but not today. <laughs> so, so starting tomorrow, uh, that's one of those many. Things. Let me put that on my calendar of things to do. I'm a busy boy, busy, busy, busy. Skype. So I'll take care of that later. Anyway, we need a Dutch reporter. Of course, you know I want to talk to Eva, Eva, the most beautiful woman in the world. Ben Dinglebrook, um, from, from somewhere in the Netherlands. He's just stunningly gorgeous and absolutely brilliant. You know, my favorite combination. So I want to talk to her. You know, I, I'd love to go to Holland and, uh, like, sit down for an interview. Wouldn't that be great? You know, uh, that'd be kind of fun. Um, uh, maybe it's Eva Vlen, Vlad Dinglebrook tuning in every day. Well, Eva, tell me how to pronounce your name. Call the show. <laughs> we'll talk. That, wouldn't that be fun? I mean, she's been on Tucker Carlson, just a fabulous reporter. And the fact that she's into legal philosophy, I mean, I want, I want to find out what goes on uh, in her brain as far as that goes. So that's going to be really interesting, too. All right. And she might be interested in citizen legislation because I could work with her directly on farm bills uh, and getting the farmers together to write legislation that protects farming in the Netherlands. I mean, that's the whole purpose of Action Radio. We already have an Australian Bill of Individual Rights that's at writeyourlaws.com. You know, click on legislation, click on all proposed laws. We've got 30 rights outlined. Uh, Marco says, I believe she's married to an American. uh, So I guess she is more often in the USA than she is in Europe. Well, that's interesting. Okay, well, good for her. Yeah. Uh, Well, then she can call us on the regular line. So, so Marco, all right, Eva, if you're in the United States, you can call the show directly, 215-383-3832. And have your husband call in, too. I don't care. I'm happy to talk to anybody, but I really want to talk to her. I don't know who her husband is. I don't know if he's political or not. But uh, definitely want to talk to Eva. So that's fabulous. All right. Thanks, Marco. So, we, so Marco's our, our European connection. So the Netherlands is number four now behind uh, the UK, Canada, and Australia. So it makes sense that the English-speaking world would, would kind of dominate our foreign audience. Um, but um, but the, having the Netherlands is, is – I've been in the Netherlands. I love the people there. It's fabulous. The, some of the countries people neglect when they're touring Europe. Uh, are right there in this one little area, Holland, Bel- well, I shouldn't say Holland, I'm sorry, Netherlands, Belgium, um, Denmark, you know, they're just right there. These beautiful countries. Most people go to France and Germany, and that's fine too. But, uh, you know, take a look at some of the smaller countries. They're nicer. Uh, the people are friendly. They're easier to get around. You can see everything um, pretty easily. Um, although I don't recommend doing what I did at 22 years old, which is going to the Amstel Brewery and then trying to bike ride after having several samples of stronger European beer. But that's, I'll tell that story another day. I ended up at the beach somehow. I'm not really sure how I did, or, or maybe that was a different day. All right, so let's get to what I, what I originally planned to talk about here. So back to Dominion. So Dominion, Dominion Voting Machines, that's the company that stole the election. And they did it with their corrupt voting machines that are programmable, that you can get them on the Internet. Uh, you can do pretty much uh, whatever they want with them to, uh, you know, that's why Brandon's there. Because, again, Brandon could never beat Donald Trump in a fair election. That's just obvious. So the controversy came in. Uh, again, back to Facebook. So there's a Facebook meme circulating, which has Dominion voting, and the, the logo is a ballot being put into a red ballot box. And what someone did was they had a blue ballot coming out. So in other words, it goes in as a Republican ballot and comes out a Democrat one. Now, you, you idiots in the Republican Party, having red associated with your, uh, with your party was stupid because red is always associated with communism. And so when we have May Day coming up, uh, May 1st, I'll probably point that out several times. But so we'll, do, we'll see what I can do for a May Day celebration 
to celebrate our communist insurrection and the takeover of the United States government uh, by the deep state and the globalists. So we'll talk about that too. There's no way I just say this so calmly, right? Like it's a matter of fact. Anyway, so, so the Facebook meme that's wrong, and I'm surprised it's still on there. Maybe it's been taken down. I don't know. Dominion, they're probably going to sue people. <laughs> Come after me, Dominion. Come on. Go ahead. Go ahead. Take me on. That'd be great. I'd love to go to court, sue your, you know, respond and sue your asses. Oh, I'd have so much evidence of fraud. I talked about this yesterday. All right. So, so then I started reading the Dominion website, and I, I found this section, Setting the Record Straight. <laughs> I mean, this is – I'm going to do a Tucker Carlson moment. <laughs> this is really funny, all right? So they, I guess they actually expect people to swallow this BS, but uh, it ain't happening. So updated April 26, 2023. That's, um, that's today. Yeah, that's today. Okay. Setting the record straight. Let me give you the propaganda from Dominion. Facts about Dominion. <laughs> Baseless claims about Dominion voting systems having been fully debunked by election authorities. In other words, the people that stole the election, right? Subject matter experts and third-party fact checkers. Well, uh, third-party what? From the Chinese Communist Party? <laughs> Is that the third party you're talking about? All right. So you've got subject matter experts. In other words, the government people that are uh, part of the coup. So you've got people that are part of the coup. You've got uh, fact checkers that are part of the coup for big tech. And you've got, um, what else have we got here? Election authorities that are definitely part of the coup. So you've got people part of the coup telling us that they're going to set the, the, the record straight. Oh, give me an effing break. <laughs> I mean, really now. So then it says about the election in 2022. Oh, here we go. Uh, on November 9th, 2022, I guess that's six days after the election, the U.S. Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, CISA, is that Chris Krebs? Is that that corrupt guy that, uh, you know, was a security guy that totally screwed up the election and then said it was fair? It says, oh, yeah, security. Start again, Greg. The, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, CISA, addressed disinformation about the 2020 midterms, stating the agency has seen no evidence that any voting system deleted or lost votes, changed votes, or was in any way compromised in any race in the country. Well, that's impossible. What you're telling every single one of your machines worked. <laughs> I mean, even the law of averages, one or two of them are you're going to have problems. <laughs> you're going to have problems no matter what. So say they all worked and they were all working perfectly. I don't think so. Especially because they're electronic, and we know we know what happens with electronics, right? Do you want to run your 747 on on the same tech, you know, same uh, same idea that wow, the safest airplane in history? You know, it's fully electronic. It's running on artificial intelligence. It'll be fine. Are you going to get on it? I'm not. I want pilots. I want thinking people. Up at the front. Of course, most of the thinking people are over 45 at this point because the rest of them are, uh, you know, from government education and indoctrination and they can't think. But that's another story. We'll talk about that later. All right. So they, so this is now what I'm wondering about with Dominion is why they're working so hard to convince us of things that we know is a lie. They're really working hard at this. You know, that they seen no. OK, so that what they what they say is the agency has seen no evidence. In other words, they haven't looked because there's mounds of evidence that uh, the election was a total fraud. Uh, but they've, you know, in other words, they're not saying there is no evidence. They've seen, they've seen no evidence. See how they get around it? So they're not actually lying. They've just seen no evidence. That's like, uh, you know, criminal. I've, I've seen no evidence of wrongdoing. I, I thought everything I did was perfectly fine. Well, yeah, after you robbed the bank. No, I was borrowing. <laughs> yeah, right. Next point. Overall, in other words, not encompassing completely, but overall, Election Day voting for the 2022 midterm elections proceeded smoothly. Well, except in Arizona, where they shut down the machines when Republicans voted, right? Then it says voting machines securely and efficiently tabulated results, which raises the question why we need voting machines in the first place. Well, if we didn't need voting machines, these people would be out of business. So this is, this is about contracting with government um, to do uh, whatever they can to keep the contracts. 
because they want they want to they want to keep having these machines. And the more counties that get rid of the machines, which we should do here uh, in Santa Rosa County, Florida, the, the better off we'd be. Then it says isolated issues arose in Maricopa County. Wait a minute, they just said it was good. <laughs> you know, voting machines securely and efficiently tabulate results. Whoops. Isolated issues arose in Maricopa County, Arizona, and Mercer County, New Jersey. Well, also, I don't know, Nevada, Michigan, Wisconsin, Georgia, Pennsylvania, you know, pretty much most states had issues, right? Well, the battleground, what are the battleground states? You remember where the Trump electors were also nominated by the state legislatures? Uh, Nevada, Arizona, New Mexico, Michigan, uh, Minnesota, um, Georgia, and Pennsylvania. So those are the battleground states. So those states that still have outstanding Trump electors that have never been solved, never been dealt with, never been resolved. They're still out there. They can be put in any time, uh, but the states are gutless. They're a bunch of weenies. They're a bunch of castrados. You can look that up, too. It's, it's similar to geldings. So the gelding old party, the GOP, uh, still refuses to uh, claim the election that they won. But that's not the first time. They, they refused to claim the election they won in 2018 when they won the House and let the Democrats overturn seven uh, Republican uh, elections with ballots that showed up weeks after the election. Oh, we found some more ballots. Well, I guess we have to count those. No, you idiots, you don't have to count those. If it's after the polls close, they don't count. Surprise, surprise. If they're fraudulent, they don't count. If they don't have signatures, they don't count. This is why, you know, we have an election integrity bill. Uh, Diane Warner, our election reporter, drafted most of it. I mean, my name's on the bill. I'm not sure why, because she did most of the work. Um, but uh, the bill's very simple. Paper ballots only. No voting machines. Uh, ballots are hand-counted. Uh, Wobbing videoed. Uh, three people, independent, bonded. Uh, and the other, my part of the bill, is that all uh, voting registrations expire December 31st every year. So just like your car registration, if you can register, I mean, the car registration is more secure than voting registration because voting registration goes on forever. You know, long after people are dead, they're still registered to vote. That's how ballot harvesting takes place. So your car, they have to check it every year. So why is, why is the car registration more important than your voting registration? Well, it's not. So the answer to this very simply uh, is that all voter registrations will be done every year, just like car registrations. And so what you do is just register to vote. Now, if you've already registered and and supplied your citizenship papers and you're living in the same place and you can prove it, you should be able to do it online after the initial visit. Okay, but if you can't come into the office uh, for the initial visit, then you shouldn't be registered to vote there, (laughs) you know, or if you can't come in afterwards. So you should always be able to come in if there's a discrepancy. And if people report, well, I can't come in. Well, why not? Well, because I moved to uh, Arizona. Well, then obviously we can't keep you registered in Florida. Now, can we? So that's why all voter registrations have to be scrubbed completely uh, every year. All right, let's get back to this, this rather amusing website. This is dominionvoting.com, <laughs> setting the record straight <laughs> from the people that stole the election. That's like, that's like uh, Brandon saying there was no vote fraud, you know, after stealing the White House. Uh, it, it, I mean, it's the, the people who committed the crime are saying that there was no crime. That's, that's, how, that's how ridiculous this gets. So on Maricopa County, Dominion says Maricopa County confirmed that election day printer issues related to non-Dominion equipment <laughs> produced ballot. Of course, they were put into Dominion equipment, right? So, they, so the ballots, so this is how they get around it, right? So the ballots that they uh, were printed up uh, purposely so they would not fit in the machines on election day when most Republicans vote uh, into the Dominion machines. They say printer issues. Now, it was related to Dominion equipment because they didn't fit in Dominion machines. So, of course, they were related to you guys, right? Anyway, it says produced ballots that were not dark enough to be properly read by tabulators. No, that's not true. They were a different size. Maricopa County officials confirmed there were no issues with Dominion tabulators. Of course, Maricopa County officials are totally corrupt. Of course, they report that, right? They also confirmed that the voters could still cast ballots. Oh, when? (laughs) Well, I'll look at the rest of it later. Then it says on Mercer County, Dominion tabulators function exactly as they should in accordance with certification. What? In other words, they cheated? (laughs) 
<laughs> so they cheated as they were intended to cheat. That's interesting. They were no, there were no machine malfunctions. Of course not. They, 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 they perfectly stole the election. I think they worked perfectly well. It's, it's just that what they were designed to do, that's the problem. Then it says, according to, has anybody heard about Mercer County? Why are they so focusing on this? Where is Mercer County? Let's go back. New Jersey. New Jersey doesn't even have battleground electors. We don't care about New Jersey. New Jersey went Democrat. New Jersey always goes Democrat. There's no contention there. Why are they focusing on a county we don't care about? Oh, probably because they focus attention on something that we don't care about. So we spend our time on that when we're the real counties, the ones that count are the Detroit County, the Atlanta County, you know, the, uh, uh, what, the Chicago, the Illinois County. Well, that's not as big either. What's Michigan? That would be Detroit in Michigan. Uh, Minnesota would be Minneapolis. And that's where the vote fraud was. It was where the states that, um, that they had to overturn just the right amount of votes. That's where the problems were. Oh, here we go. On viral rumors about ballots and Sharpie pens. See, they know all the information. They know all the ways that they cheated. Because they're all experts on the ways they cheated. Um, this was, how, how else would they know about all this stuff, right? What, they just read the news? Oh, come on. It says, on viral, viral rumors about ballots and Sharpie pens, Dominion machines can read Sharpie ink. Okay, well, that's good. But when it transfers on both sides, they can't, right? As Dominion has previously said, Sharpie pens are safe and reliable to use on ballots. And vaccines are safe and effective, too. No, that's not there. I just put that in. Sharpie pens, it's the same terminology. Vaccines are safe and effective. Sharpie pens are safe and reliable. No, they're not. And it says, uh, and recommended due to their quick-drying ink. Well, the problem with Sharpie pens is that they, uh, they soak through to the other side of the ballot. So now, of course, the machine can't read it. So they can read one side of the ballot, but uh, they can't read the other. They're actually reading the other side, too. And now, once you have too many votes on a particular ballot, they throw out that ballot. So all you have to do is engineer the ballots so that the stuff you want to cancel is on the other side of where you mark the Sharpie pen. Duh. Then it says on viral rumors about Dominion ownership. Dominion is a U.S. company headquartered in Colorado. It has no ties to George Soros, foreign leaders, or U.S. political leaders. Oh, if I could, I'd laugh on the air hysterically. That's friggin' hysterical. <laughs> it has no ties to George Soros, foreign leaders, or U.S. political leaders. Why would they say that? Why would they say that? Why would they make it a point to say they have no ties to, uh, of course, if it were true, they would have to say it, right? This is about election 2020. That was just the 2022 midterms. We haven't got to the election 2020. I'm waiting for Wendy to call. And when Wendy calls in, she'll save me from this, uh, this, uh, this diatribe I'm on right now about Dominion. Then what else do they say here? About election? The U.S. government has confer- confirmed through multiple reports that no vote flipping, vote machine manipulation, or foreign government interference took place in the 2020 elections. Well, wait a minute. Didn't we just hear there was Russian collusion for two years? Wait, 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 back up, back up. So now they're saying there was no foreign government interference in the 2020 elections. So that means there's no Russian collusion. Hey, thanks for the confirmation, guys. Really appreciate that. <laughs> you got to get your, you got to get your conspiracy straight, you idiots. <sighs> All right, I'm going to save this. This is, too, this is too good. I might save it. Well, we'll see. I actually have people the rest of the show, which is great because the last few Wednesdays, um, owing to people being busy and stuff coming up and all that kind of stuff, I wasn't able to... Um, to, to get to my, my regular reporters and guests, so I, I did three hours by myself. Well, fortunately, I don't have to do that today because Wendy's here. So I'm going to look for Wendy's report as I'm scrolling through here, vamping for a minute. Uh, and then, oh, it's probably under W for Wendy. So I forget whether I put them under the person's name or the, uh, or, or the, the alphabetical, you know, the oh my God for the oh my God report. So ah, I can stop talking now and listen to Wendy. This is great. Here we go. Do you really want the truth? Do you have questions you can't ask in church? 
Welcome to the Oh My God Report. Wendy Arthur is more concerned with truth than propaganda, putting more value in scripture than religion, and more about you and your relationship with God than your membership in any church. This is Christianity with a Kick. Of course, it helps if I make her line live. <laughs> there we go. Good morning, Wendy. <laughs> Good little morning. adrenaline this morning. I'm a little. I got too much sleep last night. You know, I got like five hours, which is which is much better than my usual. You know, four. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 oh, just an afterburner. Drunk. What's that? I said you're sleep drunk. <laughs> is that what it's called, sleep drunk? Whatever it yeah. is, I'm talking faster than usual. Which is unusual. I got some good news. Actually, we have uh, we got Marco online in in the Netherlands, but Netherlands has now moved to number four internationally, uh, behind the UK, Canada, oh, and Australia. Yeah, so we've got to, we are we are moving on to the European continent, which is a good thing, and so we shall uh, see what we can do. I don't know what accent that was. How do you? Do, uh, I'll have to get uh, Marco to teach me how to do a Dutch accent, uh, but we'll work on that. <laughs> It'd be bad anyway because all, all my accents are terrible. Okay, when do we get to India? It'd be wonderful time. We'll talk about curry powder and things like that. It'd be fun when we have the next D'Souza on. Would that be wonderful? Thank you. Okay. I, I only understood the thank you, but okay. Well, I didn't say my accent was good. Right. You know, at least I, I just have fun with them. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. Lord, Lord, have mercy. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. No. <laughs> This we is the are. Oh My God Report. Thanks, God. Appreciate your, your tolerance for my sense of humor. Okay, that's uh, okay. The, the word's in. <laughs> so what's going on? <laughs> Haven't heard from you for a bit. Are you well? Are you happy? Is well, life great? Well, you know, what you can tell us? moving is, is a very intense thing these uh-huh. days because, um, yeah. you, know, you know, Mike, Mike is still paralyzed on the right side, so I have to right. kind of do everything myself. So it's, it's um, thank God for, you know, my daughter being able to take off work that one day to help me and uh, oh, I'm very thankful for that. But uh, so, do, yeah, do you have a state now that you're residing in? We are in Alabama. Okay. And uh, right here on the Gulf Coast, and you know, it's good to be back um, among the the waves and the seagulls and all the good things that beach, you know, life has to offer. I just love bright colors and the ocean and waves and you know all the sights and sounds. I, it's, it's good to be back in the south. Yeah. Yeah, it's wonderful to have you close by, too. We've got um, the Florida part that I'm in, the Panhandle, is, I don't know how wide it is, it maybe like 30 miles at the most. You know, it's basically, it should have been Alabama. <laughs> I'm kind of glad it's not, just because I like Florida. Um, but um, but we're right under Alabama. There's a little strip that goes down to Mobile that goes to the, the Gulf at Mobile. Yeah. But uh, do you know how, it's, it's not very wide. This part of Florida is very narrow. So for Alabama to, to get to the beaches, you know, it's not that big a drive, even though it's interstate. No. Exactly. And mm-hmm. we're very thankful about that. But, uh, yeah, so we have, um, we're still among boxes and unpacking and all, you know, doing all that wonderful fun stuff. I've been there. <laughs> and, Listen, and I, I, I moved to Florida from San Francisco. I know, <laughs> you know, yeah, with uh, and, a very expensive most, U-Haul. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And, and the most commonly asked question is, have you seen the, and then fill in the blank. <laughs> oh, <laughs> have you seen the what? Oh, oh, yeah. oh! I see it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When, when you're looking for something, everything's in a box. You know? <laughs> oh, yeah. Did, didn't you label your boxes? Weren't you that efficient? Oh, please. Well, some of them I did. Um, but oh, okay. some of them was like, yeah, we have to hurry up and, and just get this done. Just, you know, 
put uh-huh. the Sharpie in the pocket and let's just pack it and go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's like this voyage of discovery. Then you find things and you go, what's that? I don't think I need that anymore. I haven't used it for five years. I don't, you know. And so moving is a great way to, to purge yourself of things. I bet that's in Scripture, too. You know, discard unneeded things or something like that. Don't accumulate stuff that you don't need. That's got to be in there somewhere. Just to, just to make not, this. Uh, okay. <laughs> it's not? Really? No. Okay, no. Oh, come on. I just made that up. I thought it would be great. There's, there's nothing in Scripture that says, cast off unneeded objects. Do not burden thyself with uh you know, with, uh, you know, unusual goods acquired, you know, for whatever reason, for frivolous means. That what, That's not in there? Yeah, I know. No, but we, we can put that under Greg 1-1. Oh. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm just checking. All right. Uh-oh. Hold on. I'll be right back. Yes, God. I'm sorry. Don't make up scripture. Got it. Okay. I went to that again. Sorry, big guy. <laughs> You're not the only one getting that phone call. <laughs> <laughs> Who said religion isn't funny? Well, today, yeah. uh, today I, I just uh, wanted to talk about mercy because, you know, what people talk about God being, you know, God and, you know, he's going to judge and he will um, and he's or he's love and he's just but they don't talk about the aspect of mercy a whole lot so I wanted to touch on that this morning because there's some stuff that's going to be coming um, in the world and uh, people need to know I mean if you have been on the the wrong side of of the pew so to speak (laughs) um, (laughs) that's a good way to put it so 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 you yeah. have the pew, yeah. I always wonder about that word pew because there's uh, two different meanings. It's a seat or it's a bad odor. <laughs> so either way, it's kind yeah. of interesting. You'll have to explain that one too. Okay. Um, Don't cause me another phone call I, though. <laughs> um, mercy is available, um, mm-hmm. and God is abundant in mercy, and it's it's so strongly tied to forgiveness that people think it's the same thing, but it's not. Huh. So. Explain. Uh, well, because mercy um, is not just about forgiveness, although in God's mercy, he forgives. He forgives the most heinous things. If you are truly repentant, he will not forgive without repentance. And that means okay. turning away from what whatever that is. Um, you know, that you're involved in or that you've done, turn away from it and you, you forsake that thing. It's not just saying you're sorry. That's been preached in the churches forever and it's a lie from the pit of hell as part of religion. It has mm. nothing to do with forgiveness. You know, saying that you're sorry is not forgiveness. It's not being repentant. It's just saying, oh, well, sorry about that. And then, But you, if you don't turn from it, if you don't forsake what it is that you have done that was wrong, um, then that is not repentance. So let's just go so, ahead and put that up. Well, and this, this makes sense. So if you say you're sorry for something and then you repeat it and then say you're sorry, it's, it's like uh, you're trying to get uh, you know, absolution without, without doing anything to correct it. That, that actually makes a lot of sense. And so I never thought about it, but that's, I guess, what people are doing. You know, Joe, I'm sorry, I you know, did this or that or the other thing. I was drunk. You know, okay, well, that, that's not repenting. You're still drinking or you're still doing whatever it is you're doing that's causing this kind of behavior. Correct. 
You actually, but you actually have to change your behavior otherwise. So, so let's talk about repenting. For, how does, for people that aren't really clear on the concept, how do you repent? Um, repentance um, is when you actually truly understand that what you've done has, is just wrong. It, it is highly mm-hmm. offensive to the Lord, and you don't want to do that. And you don't want to be involved in that activity or behavior or thought pattern or whatever it is, or controlling your mouth, whatever it is, um, mm-hmm. that it's, you have to realize that it is time to make a change. And if you know that you can't make that change on your own, that's even better because you realize, I need help with this. You know, this mm-hmm. is not something that I can just, you know, snap my fingers and go, oh, I think I'll just do that differently today. It's, right. it's not. Some things are just so ingrained, you know. Um, so you, you need the help of the Holy Spirit with this. You, and you need to, to begin with, I am sorry, God. And I, I realize how, the depth of this. I, I realize the weight of this sin and I really need your help to change this. Um, I don't think I can do this on my own. And mm-hmm. when you are truly willing to forsake that activity, thought, whatever, whatever the pattern is, um, then and and ask God to forgive you. In His mercy, um, He doesn't hold you to judgment for those things. He will forgive those things, which means they don't exist anymore. People don't understand because you know when when we say we forgive you, mm-hmm. um, we completely remember what was done because it was yeah, very it's conditional to us. It's conditional forgiveness. So, and, yes, so, there's no so forgetting. Okay. Well, well, no, it's not conditional because you remember. That's kind of important for us to remember because if I've got a stall full of horses, you know, a barn full of horses, and one of them kicks me and I don't remember which one kicks me, that's going to be a dangerous situation again, right? Okay, but I didn't think of that as as, uh, in in terms of sin and repentance. God is the only one who can truly forget a sin, can truly forget it. He he chooses to never remember it, and, you know, it, it... he says he puts it into the sea of forgetfulness, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, you know, and somebody said, and he doesn't post, you know, and then he posts a no fishing sign. <laughs> <You know>? um, <laughs> but yeah. I think the, because, the, the key to this though, is it takes action. You can't just, yeah. you can't repent without action. And so the action is the yeah. most important is you can't do it again. Uh, otherwise you're not repenting. You're just, you know, you're excusing, but you're not repenting. And there's probably, I guess Correct. we get that confused too, possibly. Correct. So um, it's really important that for for true forgiveness, I mean, to in God's eyes, what you did never happened. He's the only one who can truly so for so forgive that out of His mercy. Um, so it's important to forgive others when they have wronged you. Um, mm-hmm. But we are it, it's important to just not we we can't forget it it's, it's it's something that we experienced right so mm-hmm. and that's okay you know as long as you aren't still holding malice or or ill will towards that person if you told them that you have forgiven them you really need to mean that <clears throat> that you're not going to um hold them to to be accountable to you what you're doing when you say i forgive you is you're saying i'm turning you over to god mm-hmm. um to deal with that thing 
and I'm not going to be your your prisoner, you know, your your key holder to your prison cell. I'm not going to continue to do that. I'm going to turn this over to God and let him deal with that and however he sees fit, and I forgive you. That doesn't mean that you go hang out with that person who has hurt you so badly. You know, right. if if you choose not to, that's okay not to. It's just you're turning that over to God to deal with, and you're not going to you know, take matters into your own hands. That's what forgiving for us means. But when God forgives you, it's like you are clean. Yeah, he is the only one who can totally make you white as snow. You know, I don't care how black your your sin was, you know, how dark and or morbid or, or whatever it was, but yeah. or wicked. We're not talking God race here, folks, so don't send me letters. <laughs> you know, this is not what we're talking right. about here. That's no, right. Yeah, we're not. Just a you know what? Sin yeah. doesn't know it, Sin doesn't color. know skin color. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, sin is a heart one, condition. So. Sin yeah. is a heart condition. Hmm. So God can make all of that wiped out and clean. So know that if you are going to the to, to God, the God of the universe, the creator of everything, including hmm. us, um, if you're going to him to say, I can't do this on my own. I want to um, truly get rid of this out of my life. Then um, I, And I need your help. I need you to forgive me. I need you to help me. He is mm-hmm. on the spot there. He can't wait to help you do that. He doesn't want to just leave you on your own because you can't change a supernatural problem, a spiritual problem in the natural. It doesn't yeah. happen. So it's above our pay grade, change, as they say, for us earthlings. Exactly. Yeah. Supernatural yeah. can only change, you know, it's the only thing that will change the spirit of man. So it's important to realize that in God's mercy, mm-hmm. forgiveness is available, um, blessing is available because he is merciful, and that's part of, of him being loving. And, and, and people talk about judgment all the time, and yes, there's judgment coming, but right now, before that hits, and it's mm-hmm. coming soon because of the wickedness in the high places, um, there's going to be God's reset. <laughs> and that he's well, there's now, such he's wickedness in high places. This is a this is a turning point in yeah. history, and I think a lot of us have realized this it uh, is. On, on the physical, moral, spiritual, and on, on on the supernatural level that things are changing and things are happening right now. Things are happening. I have to some things I have to tell you off the air uh, because there's some amazing things happening. And I know it's God inspired. I know these ideas that, that yeah. pop into my head could not happen just for one person. There's no way. It makes absolutely no sense, and I understand that. Um, but uh, but there's connections. There's things that are happening. You know, behind the scenes that uh, there, there's God at work you know, directly with Action Radio yeah. uh, and with some of the things we're doing here. It's really fascinating. Um, but do you remember, remember the chats we used to have when we first started, like two, three years ago, maybe even four years ago, that I, I used to say I wasn't really big on forgiveness? <laughs> and I really wasn't. I, yeah. you know, I, I can do pretty much, I can do a lot of stuff, but the forgiveness, yeah, you know what? I just, I'm not quite there yet. Well, I got there eventually. And, and I think I, without knowing it, I did exactly what you did. Turn it over to God. I said, okay, I don't want this burden anymore. I don't want this to, to be on my conscience that I've done something wrong when other people have done wrong to me. Now, I'm not going to forget it ever <laughs> you know, because there's a rather right. long list. Um, but it's not – I don't want the responsibility of, of being in that prison any longer. And so, so right. then you let it go. And you, you turn – you know, let go, let God. Uh, there's many reasons for that expression. And once you do let it go, it doesn't burden me on a daily basis like it used to. And so I have been freed right. from that. So, so the forgiveness is for, for me. Um, God will talk yes. to my folks. They're they're in heaven now anyway, hopefully, uh, you know. And we'll see what's you know what, whatever happens happens. But um, right at this point, it's it's out of my hands. I have let it go, 
And so that's, that's huge. So this actually works, folks. Don't, this is not something, you know, you can put it in really practical. We talk about, I think the problem, the problem is things get too theoretical for religion. People go, oh, that doesn't really work. Um, yeah, it does. <laughs> you, know, you just have to try it. And, uh, and, you know, so, yeah. And it wasn't something you, you had to strive to do. You let that mm-hmm. go to God, and he just changed that in your heart. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, I don't even remember it you know, she yeah. said, you know, at one yeah. point I felt bad, and then time passed, and at that point I, I didn't. It's like, oh, thanks, God. Appreciate it. You don't have to call me uh, anymore exactly. today. <laughs> today. <laughs> well, you know, every, but, every show is a unique experience around here. Yeah, yes, it is. <laughs> it's really important um, that because it's on God's heart. And, and I asked him, what do you want to, to tell the people today? And he said, Mercy. My mercy is available. I am. I cannot wait to show mercy. So now's the time, people. Now is the time to go to God and repent. Tr- truly, repent. Turn away from all the crud, all, all the things that are not holy, all the things that are not of God. Just turn away from it and say, God, help me. Just help me. He is there and waiting. He's been waiting all this time for you. <laughs> He knows yeah. you by name. You are not just a number. You know, mm-hmm. it's a personal thing with God. He personally wants to talk with you and be involved in your life because you're here for a purpose and a reason. So he's saying, well, my you know they're not. Available <laughs> you know, so but, that's right. Do you, do you think that's part of the problem, though, that people don't see the purpose in their life or they, they don't wait to see it or they just think there is no purpose to their life? And, you know, I, I hear this expression all the time. I'm just one person. Well, everybody's just one person. I'm just one person. But when I get a lot exactly. of other persons around me, stuff happens. You know, amazing things yeah. happen. So, so yeah. yes, you're one person. I mean, I, you know, I, can't, I can scream on a mountaintop and nothing's going to happen. But I, you know, I get more persons and then they tell more persons. And pretty soon we've got a movement. You know, yeah. So, yeah. But I think people feel they're just one person. And it's almost like I share that, that state control. It's directly from, you know, the, the, the globalists want you to, to not be a person. They want you to have no identity. Uh, you know, you're not male or female. You're, 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 your face is behind a mask. You have absolutely nothing. And then God's just the opposite. You do have an identity. You are a person. You are valuable. And you do have a purpose. Yes. And, and it's not like um, – it's like the difference between 70s muscle cars, all the cars that look the same today. They're all the same. And but back in the 70s when you had a, a Buick or a Chevy or a Pontiac or a Ford or whatever or a Dodge, whatever it was, you knew exactly what make and model that was because they were mm-hmm. all so different. And now is, okay, there's like three or four different models and they're all very similar and they all look the same and okay. Um, it's, and it's, it's funny you should say that. <laughs> Did I ever tell you about our creative car action? It's one of the first bills I wrote. Uh, that cars are boring, uh, that uh, we need to take all the regulation out uh, and let cars be cars again. You know, you, you can tell a 57 Chevy from a 57 Buick from a 57 T-Bird. You know, but today yeah. there's the, the two-door coupe, the four-door sedan, the small pickup, the large pickup, and the Jeep. <laughs> and that's about it. <laughs> and, and let's not forget about the little smart car that's there for everybody's entertainment. Oh, those are hysterical. You know, I mean... The, <laughs> They used to, in San Francisco, when they first came out, people buy like these big plastic keys and stick them to the top of them. <laughs> it was really funny. <laughs> That's about right. My oh, yeah. says he just wants, whenever he sees a little smart car, he just wants to turn it over and rub it on his belly. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, no, when they no, there was actually something funnier to to park them. People were actually laying them on their side on the sidewalks. They were just pushing them over. They're that light, <laughs> so they just push them over. Wow. The, you know, you've heard of you heard of cow tipping, which is a really disgusting practice that people uh, should not engage in. Uh, I didn't. I thought about it, but thought better of it. Uh, but there was actually was car tipping in San Francisco. There were gangs of people roaming around car tipping smart cars because they're so light. You know, so if you're a teenage gang member and you don't want to kill somebody, it's much better to just tip a car over and get your jollies that way. So it, uh, it, was, it was like San Francisco yeah. therapy for a while. Yeah. Let's go car tipping. Okay, yeah, great. Where are the smart cars? Well, where the rich folks live. Pacific Heights. Nancy Pelosi's district. Let's go. And off they go. And then go car tipping. Yeah. Sorry for the digression. That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> it's hysterical. I, I don't know why I thought of that, but, you know, yeah, smart cars. They're actually pretty crashworthy. I've seen the crash test. You know, so they're surprisingly uh, resilient to, uh, I think they bounce owing to their size. But, uh, yeah, they're like weebles. So, uh, you know, they're, they're pretty good in an accident, but uh, they can't be tipped over, folks. So don't leave your smart car unattended without an anchor. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Lock down your smart cars. Yeah. It's one of those days today. Yeah. Well, we've been so serious lately. There's all this serious stuff going on. You know, very consequential oh, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the thing, you know, that um, with all this stuff that's fixing to come down the pike, um, you need mm-hmm. to know that um, <clears throat> there's two choices. You can try to, you know, do this on your own and live in fear and anxiety and have and, and be just appalled at what's about to happen, um, or you can just rest in the Lord and know that He's got you. And you can't know that He's got you unless you have a relationship with Him. And, yeah. and you know him on some level. So um, now is the time. And, and he is really, really putting that word out and calling forth and saying, come to me now. You are going to need me if you're going to live in peace and not be in fear um, and, and have your whole world you know, be shaken because he's fixing to shake the world uh, mm-hmm. with different events around the world. So um, I, I really um, want people to understand that get your Bible out. If you don't have one, get one. Uh, and and just start reading, and Psalms would be a really good place uh, to start um, if you want to understand mercy. So um, I, I can just leave you with a just a few uh, verses out of Psalms so that you sure. can at least have a reference point uh, so people can, can start there. Um, but uh, like Psalm 25-7, do not remember the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions. According to your mercy, remember me for your goodness sake, O Lord. So he understands that the things that we do when we're young and stupid, and, you know, there's a reason why there is that term young and foolish. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You know, um, it, it, he's saying, do not remember the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions, because he knew he screwed up. He knew he was doing stupid stuff, you know. So yeah. Don't remember those words. You know, in your mercy, in your mercy, remember me and because you're good is what he's saying. And God is good and his mercy is there for you. And he's and, willing to forgive. So uh, another thank one God I grew up before social media. <laughs> That's another one. Yes. <laughs> Just so everybody didn't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you can embarrass yourself um, in front of, you know, your family or your friends or, or even the entire school, you know, things were fairly limited unless it made the papers. Now, <laughs> you know, one kid, yeah, that, that's you that, um, well, you know, it's interesting, actually. I wonder what, what God would say about, uh, about the fact that the people, it's not the people that, that uh, everybody makes fun of the people that do whatever stupid thing, but we all do stupid things. It's the people that broadcast it to everybody else. There's, I think there's evil intent in that. 
that you're really, you're, you're, you, you'll never see me do this. I, you know, I won't take advantage of somebody who's had a real mishap. I put, you know, videos of people falling down. I don't do things like that because right. that's not my business. That's not, that's, there's something very wrong about sharing in somebody else's grief or misfortune. I don't get it or embarrassment. Why would you do that? Why do people yeah. do that? Is well, there's just something missing. Yeah. That there is something missing because you know what? There's the, the scripture that says uh, love covers a multitude of sins. And so, and if you truly want to be showing the love of God, you don't expose somebody's failures. You don't expose their hurt. You don't expose their dirty laundry. That's, mm-hmm. that's just not right. Um, and now, and I'm talking about just regular normal people. If you are in leadership and you're doing wrong, you need to be held accountable. Um, mm-hmm. and, and God says that if you're in leadership, the, the responsibility and accountability for you is much higher, much higher because he takes it very seriously if you are a leader and people are looking up to you. You are supposed to be representing him in your leadership. If you aren't representing God in the things that you do, mm-hmm. you, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, let me, let me, this brings up two, two really big examples. Uh, pure evil, Dr. Fascist. Uh, for those that don't know, yeah. that, that's Anthony Fauci for our new listeners. Dr. Fascist is the most evil uh, person, I think, in the last several hundred years. He is a combination of, of Joseph Mengele, the Holocaust doctor, who did all those horrible experiments, and Joseph Goebbels, the propaganda minister. He's both of those rolled into one. And we call him the genocidal, psychopathic, avaricious, narcissistic, pathologically lying vaccine drug pusher. And so I call him that for a reason. There was just a, I was just watching in One American News this morning. They had an interview uh, talking about his New York Times. Uh, and the person was commenting that he's, he is without remorse, without emotion, without feeling. And I think it was from uh, Karen McKinney report last night. Um, oh, yeah, it's Jeffrey Tucker from the Brownstone Institute, one of the many people I've tried to reach who haven't gotten to yet, but someday. Um, but he's talking about that, and it's really true. You know, you want to talk about somebody without God, Dr. Fascist. He's yeah. like the premier example. And he knows exactly what he's doing. He, he knew the whole time that yeah, this was going to cause a, a mass genocide. He didn't care. Because yeah. there's money in it for him, that's what he valued. Oh, they uh, and then I compare, yes, they oh yeah, yeah. Now let's compare that to Donald Trump, who I think his heart was in the right place. He loves this country, loves the people of this country. I think he thought he was doing the right thing, and and the advice he got was terrible because these people had it all planned out. You know, that he had Obama's you know pandemic playbook. They they redid the the pandemic guidelines. I won't tell the whole story now, but the, the thing is, you know, I Donald Trump. He, to me, is the one who, who can be redeemed. He can say, you know, mea culpa, I yes. screwed up. I took advice from the wrong. I wish he would do this because I think it would be huge for him uh, in terms of the election. But he needs to say, I screwed up. I goofed on COVID. You know, we shouldn't have had the yes. vaccines. There were early treatments. There was no need for this. The mandates never should have happened. This is what he needs to do. And if he does that, I think everybody will forgive him because I think that's one of the big hesitancies right now. But just compare, you know, the pure yes. evil of, of Dr. Fascist with the um, accidental evil of a Donald Trump. Yes. Well, he he was taking uh, advice from those who were supposed to be experts in their field and know all about this. Um, I mean, that's why they were supposedly in that position. He had, when he said drain the swamp, he had no idea just how far it went. And he, he found out quick and in a hurry. You know, we all did. Um, None of us knew the depths of depravity. (laughs) In, in the WHO and, and everything else and the CDC and, and all the others. And let's not forget Bill Gates because he's just as evil as yep. Fauci. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, yeah, but no, those, those people are already they, – they have gone over into what Scripture calls a reprobate mind. There is no redemption for them. 
right. their, their, their fate is already sealed. I don't care if they live another 200 years, you know, it, their fate is sealed and they can never be redeemed because they have already passed over into a reprobate mind. Um, and, and that means you have had chance after chance after chance to repent and you have refused. Mm-hmm. And once, once that happens, buddy, your book is closed and it is, it's done for. And you better be shaken in your boots to know that. And that can happen. And don't don't fall for this once saved, always saved thing. That's a lie from the pit of hell. And I know hmm. there's major, major denominations who preach that, but th- that is not scriptural. And I can prove it if we ever want to get into that topic. So, <laughs> yeah, let's do it next week. You know me. As soon as you mention the topic, I want to cover it. Um, I want to introduce you to someone. Do you have a couple extra minutes? Can you go over like yeah. maybe five minutes? Okay, good. Because yeah. uh, someone I, that I want to help out and someone that's uh, become you know real special, uh, Rebecca Charles, she's on the line now. In fact, I'm going to make her line live. Uh, Rebecca is one of the many folks that uh, lost somebody to what we call death by hospital. And so yeah. this affects me personally. Our webmaster, Eric Colley who created writeyourlaws.com for us, was killed by his hospital yes. last February, a year ago February. Yes. Uh, Rebecca yes. lost her daughter. We've had her on. She, she has a regular report, which is going to follow you, you know, the death by hospital protocol report. And I don't want to keep having her relive all the details of this, obviously, but I thought that this, this is one of those little God arrangements, <laughs> the fact that she, I scheduled her. I didn't think about this at the time, but her report's right after yours. And so she's going to be on for maybe like half an hour or so. Um, Today sometimes an hour and a half. We don't know. We're going to figure out how it works out. But Rebecca, uh, welcome back to Action Radio. How you doing? Hi. Good morning. Good morning. Hi. Thank you for having me, Greg. Oh, of course. Well, you're a regular now. You're part of the family, um, especially the work you're doing. <laughs> good and so morning. Her... Yeah. So Wendy's here too. Hi, Wendy. Nice to meet you, Rebecca. I... <laughs> I'm so sorry what happened to your daughter. I, I'm so sorry, and and I I bless you in Jesus' name with, with the strength to carry on the mission that you have now um, to, to get this um, movement going that, that you're involved in. Uh, and I, I'm sorry that movements have to be born out of great pain, um, but thank you for, for doing this. Thank you so much, Wendy. Yes, it is. It's the only thing that's keeping me going in my relationship with Jesus, honestly. Otherwise, yeah. I don't want to be here. You know, it's... I it's, understand. This is, uh, can't believe how evil this world has become and a lot of people are still silent and they're still sleeping and they don't want to wake up to see what's happening you're exactly right but that's fixing to be exposed big time and um i'm, I'm just going to keep you in prayer for for all that you're doing and for standing up because it it's not going to be easy for those who are standing up in, in the beginning but it will get easier once everything is taken care of but but right now you're you're one of the the pioneers on the front line battle scene so uh bless you <laughs> thank you thank you so much wendy so greg told you um what i started was I decided to to build a website called Death by Hospital Protocol. And the reason why I'm doing this is because the hospitals are taking down the reviews where people lost their loved ones and there's no place to have it. And I decided I'm going to collect all the reviews, but also I'm going to collect the images and their names because in time they will be held accountable. And this this is my mission right now, to get their faces, to expose their faces, to the world that these are the people you know everybody says the hospital that did it but it's not the hospital it is the doctors who injected the poison it is the nurses that's right. my daughter down 
it is the doctors and nurses who who filled out that final order. And even the pharmaceutical um, companies that give the drugs, it still is the pharmacists that allow the prescription to go up to the to the room. I mean, they know they studied yeah. medicine. They know that these cocktails were deadly cocktails, and yet they still did not question it. And right now in America, we have more than one million people die from the hospital protocol. And well, they're still yes, doing it because. Yeah, back during when COVID was, you know, nothing, there was nothing in the world but the talk of COVID. Um, you know, and some of the nurses and hospital people would, would say that the doctors were getting, I mean, the hospitals were getting $30,000 bonus per patient mm-hmm. if if they would mm-hmm. write that they died from COVID. Um, and yeah. so it's it's horrible. It's, 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 it's pay to, to kill somebody. That's exactly what it is. I call it blood money. It's They have blood money yes. on their hands because as soon as you walk into the hospital, the COVID test is a free test and they make $13,000 and they get a 20% bonus by CMS, Center for Medicaid and Medical Services, paying them a 20% bonus to use remdesivir. And yes. why would you use a drug on everybody the same quantity? No matter age, size, weight, male, female, you're still going to give the same poison. There's only one one result. It's dead. Yes. Well, the same thing uh, in that drug um, is the same properties in, in snake venom. Mm-hmm. So I mean, how, how do you survive that, you know, unless you have the antidote, which they don't give you. So, um, yes, you're right. Well, you know, we heard so much different stories about what's in it, too. They even said cyanide, which made me want to just, you know, die when I heard that. I mean, it's like this is this is this is supposed to be a safe place. A hospital is supposed to be an inviting safe place to heal you, not to say not a place that you would walk into and then they would kill you. This is yes. It's so people don't know what what these hospitals represent, and I feel that my website I have to bring awareness to people. I have to have a list of hospitals that are safe, and so far I haven't found any. Most of them are only hospitals that are carrying out the protocol for money. But why is the Center yeah. for Medical and Medicaid Services paying a bonus to kill people? This should be public knowledge. Yes, it should. And I, I will be posting your, your link to your, your pages uh, on all of my pages because I just think it's important. Thank you. Thank you very much for doing that. And Greg has been very helpful, like, bringing me on and talking about talking about it because I don't know if you know about Gracie Shara, the 19-year-old Down syndrome that they killed. I mean, finally they were able to file a lawsuit, but we don't even have justice. I go to bed at night thinking, no. like, there's no justice. There's lawyers that hang the phone up on you because of blanket immunity. There's lawyers that don't care money. I had one lawyer tell me, well, your daughter had special needs. She didn't have a job and she didn't have a family, so there's no money to sue for. What about wrongful death? What about murder? Yes, thank you. It wasn't worth it. Yes. It wasn't worth it for them. No, it wasn't. Um, and, well, I have my own hospital stories and, and lawyers who, who refuse to go up against a hospital because they play golf with the hospital administrators, and they're, they're and not they going to go against their, their, their golf buddy. So, yeah, <laughs> it's just crazy. 
We have to stop that. You know, they have cocktail hour with, with each side, you know, the defendant and the plaintiff side all having cocktail hours together. And we thinking that they're fighting for us when they're not. They're making a deal either to cancel our case or to just pay us off and shut us off. But I'm hoping right. that my website, I'm hoping that my website will become so big that people, every American would check the website before they go into a hospital. I think that's a, a much needed resource. So God bless you in, in your endeavor because it's, that's, that's a lot of time. That's a lot of research. That's a, that's just a lot of work. So I'm, I'm, I know it's, it's a big, big um, task for you. And I hope that God brings you people to, to come alongside and help you with all of this. Funny you should say that because yeah. it's exactly why I wanted to get you two together. And I, was, I didn't know quite how. Rebecca's on our, our Action Radio group chat, so you two can talk to each other directly off the air. But uh, I was thinking for Rebecca and for all the work that she does and that Scott Sher is doing with his daughter Grace, and, and, and this, is, this is an entire movement across the country that's starting. Uh, we're just on the, on the tip of the iceberg. Uh, but the folks that are doing this, I believe, should have contact with someone that can help them spiritually. And so, Rebecca, you know, Wendy's a, Wendy's a resource. I mean, this is, you know, why she's here. She loves doing this stuff. Um, but it, she's someone oh, that you could talk great. to. When you're not feeling, you know, it's like, why am I doing this? How do I go on? Talk to Wendy. You know, and then Wendy, the same thing. If you, if you want, I know you want to help. And so this is somebody that you can help. You know, and there's, there's millions of people across the country that, that either lost a family member or a close friend. Or in my case, uh, yeah, it was close, both close friends. You know, um, I said before, Eric Colley. Uh, was killed by his hospital. Um, our, yeah. our favorite uh, national security reporter, Dr. Peter Pry, died six months after getting the jab. Uh, his cancer came rolling yep. back, and, uh, and I can hear the shows. I could hear it coming. I knew when it was happening, and there's nothing, you know, nothing I could do about it. Too late then. Um, but uh, for folks that want to carry this fight, I believe they should ally themselves with people who are spiritual and close to God and can help them out. So this is this might be something to yeah. look into, Rebecca, for the for the folks that are fighting with you. Get some help. You know, get get uh, yeah, get yeah. Uh, you know get more God on your side, uh, and and, and yeah. see you know. And so this is this is one of these little chance meetings that aren't chance meetings at all. <laughs> so thank God. Yeah, that. no, no, <laughs> yes, true. You know, I ask God every day, like, why am I still here? You know, because you put me in a position that I don't want to be. It's a very uncomfortable position to go out there and be in the public light and speak. And and the only thing that drives this for me is my daughter. She was the sweetest, most innocent girl, and I can't let her life be in vain. It's not right. Yeah. It's not no, right. It's not so right. I'm. Well, there's a part of this, too. There's a part of, I think, probably some guilt and responsibility. Not that you could have changed this, but you still feel that you could. And I don't want you to have that burden. Yes. And we were talking about mercy and forgiveness earlier. So, Wendy, if there's anything you know, that you can do to say it's not your fault, this is, you know, this is done to you, you know, it's, uh, that, I think, is going to be a huge way to relieve a lot of the burden so that Rebecca can carry on the work that she needs to carry on and get the lawyers and get the lawsuits and do the work and not be under this horrible burden. Uh, that I think she might be under. Yeah. If you don't mind me talking about you while you're here, (laughs) you know. No, that's fine. Go ahead. Okay. Well, well, guilt is not from God, okay? Mm -hmm. It is not from God. That is the enemy coming against you, um, trying to to burden you and make you feel um, like like you are weighted down, like it's like moving through sludge, Um, and, and somehow taking false responsibility uh, for your daughter's death. And that's a lie from the pit of hell. It is so wrong. And 
um, and I'm, you and I can talk um, off air, um, so I can, if you, if you're open to it, I can just minister some oh, truth no, from course. scriptures. Yes, no, I need a, and, and, no, um, I need because, open. Yes, because you know, there's, there's a special place in mothers that carry responsibility for everything regarding their children. Um, and a lot of that is, is a false weight. It's a false responsibility um, because the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, period, end of story. Yeah. You didn't come to steal, kill, and destroy, and it wasn't even because um, you, you, you made a mistake. That, that, that is just not true. You, you have never, ever had ill will towards your child and wanted death for her, ever. No. So carry guilt from that is not from God, Okay. And so um, it, it, God is not holding you accountable for any of that. This is strictly on the, on the enemy's shoulders and on the, the shoulders of the hospital and every you know, doctor and nurse that, that was there that was supposed to help her and didn't. So, um, I, yeah, I'm going to be praying for you about that because you, you cannot operate in your full function um, if you're carrying guilt. It just doesn't happen because you aren't free. You are enslaved to that. Um, as long as, as you're accepting that and, and not calling it out as the lie that it is. No, thank you for that. You know, you go through it every single day. You're like, for yourself, yes. you pray, and then all of a sudden you, you can't sleep at the night. It just, it just rehearses back in your head everything that happened. So it's a struggle, and I think it's not only for me, it's for every one of us who went through this because yes. it's not supposed to happen. It's 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 right. abnormal. A therapist can't even work with you because a therapist have no idea how to handle something like this because it never yeah. happens. So we are in a in a, in a, really in a new environment of evil that no one ever experienced in America. Completely, yeah. the safest place in the world end up being the most deadliest place with premeditated murder because my daughter was special needs and my kid was going to pay them more to take her out. Yeah. It's just, and then they right. have the laws, the the kill laws in Florida, where they could kill you in the hospital and you can't sue. And now we're finding out all the different laws that that Ron Emanuel and Obama team had put together, where they could euthanize yep. you if you're not a, you know. So how do we get this out? How do we stop this evil? Because it is the evil agenda of the enemy, and you know, it's how do we it stop is. it? Well, it's, it's time for people to actually rise up and, and get loud, get very loud. Mm-hmm. Um, it, this has gotten to this point because nobody has said anything. And exactly. if they did, all they did was, was complain. Nobody took action, and that's why Action Radio is what it is. It's about doing something about it. It's about being loud about it. It's about shouting it down, saying this is not going to happen. This is going to change today. Um, and, and you work towards that goal. Um, but it does take action, and you are doing that on behalf of your daughter and all the other victims um, of this heinous crime that was committed, this, these murders that were committed, because that's exactly what it was. So um, it's time to, to get this into the spotlight, get people on board, and start shouting loud about it. Yes, yes. I feel that even though I'm grieving, I couldn't just sit there and just grieve. I had to take action. I had to do something. Yes. So a lot of people yes. are still stuck in the grief because it's so dark, it's so so heavy on yes. them for what happened and they can't get out of it. But I'm begging people to take action, write a review, find a doctor. Oh, she just her call just dropped. She'll probably call us right back. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. Well, it, it's important for all of our Action Radio listeners 
whether you have been affected directly by this or not, as far as losing a loved one or a family member or a friend or coworker uh, to COVID in the hospital, yeah. is let's let's get behind Rebecca. Let's let's go ahead and start getting in force and and helping her out with this because it's not just for Rebecca. Um, she's it, it's mm-hmm. for everyone. So let let's all yes. get this done because if we don't stand up, the evil continues, and that's the bottom line. Yeah, and I need their faces. It's like I follow Simon Wiesenthal. He was a Nazi hunter. While he was in camp and they were abusing him, he memorized all their numbers and their names. And when the war was over, Simon Wiesenthal was able to hunt them down with the help of the Mossad and cut them. And that is my inspiration, is to find them, find their faces, find where they live, know exactly who they are. We don't have a justice system that is helping us. These people should be in jail. But since we don't have a justice system, we will find you, and we will post your picture, and we will post it in your clubhouse, in your yoga studio, in the hotel you go to. We will find you. That is my motto. That's awesome. No more hiding behind a face mask. Yep. Well, you know. I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> what can I do? You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is this is great. Yeah. yeah. And this makes perfect sense because you know we're still we don't want to do anything violent. Um, but we do need to bring these people to justice. You know, we need another Nuremberg uh, trial, obviously. Yes. Uh, yes. Just following orders yes. uh, is no excuse. It never has been. It never will be. You know, you don't give up your conscience. You don't give up your brain. You don't give up who you are just to follow orders and keep your job. I'm sorry, that's not good enough. There are other jobs and other ways yes. to live your life. Uh, taking others' lives is not legitimate, you know, no matter what you, you think or, or what you're told. Um, so this is fascinating. I mean, I, I, this is, we're sort of breaking some new news here because I didn't know that Rebecca was going to do this. But, yeah. Just like my mug shots yeah, in the post office, put it online. Put those yeah, doctors online. Yeah, now you know the yeah. primary one is Doctor Fascist. I mean, he's the number one. So his he yeah, is the face of evil. Everybody, yeah, and everybody knows his face. But mm-hmm. it's the nurse who works, you know, in your local hospital and having coffee and having breakfast at the local mm-hmm. diner. She needs to see her face there. Yeah. The doctor who goes to the golf club, he needs to see his face there. Mm-hmm. You know, I need them to run and hide or possibly hang themselves themselves. You know, I mean, I feel like, you know, I can't take justice because justice is for God, but I can do everything possible without you can shame them. to expose them. Shame I don't think them, there's yeah. anything. Yeah. yeah. So, so, uh, well, let's ask Wendy about that. So, first of all, thanks for the extra time, Wendy. I appreciate it. Uh, shaming them. Uh, righteous action. Uh, what does scripture say about that for, for Rebecca and all the folks that are trying to do this? Is there a reference? God expects us to stand. Well, God okay. expects us to stand up for what is right. And what okay. is righteous, that makes sure it's righteousness according to him, not because of we have, you know, feelings that we want to see justice done so badly that, you know, that we cross a line. We cannot cross a line because that's God's line. So, but okay. we can yeah. do everything to expose them. That's not wrong. Exposing what darkness and evil is what makes people walk in righteousness. So, because everybody's watching to see what happens. The reason everything has gotten to this point is because everybody knows um, Hillary and everybody else has done so many heinous things, including murder, and winked at Mm -hmm. it. Nobody has done a thing to them, not Mm -hmm. one thing. And so, therefore, it just keeps on going. It keeps on going. And then other people say, oh, well, they got away with it. We can do it. It's Mm -hmm. the same thing. So if you start exposing and then bringing justice because of those things, that's what changes it. I I don't want slander. Go ahead, Rebecca. 
Okay. I don't want anybody to slander anybody, but if you put a nurse's picture or a doctor's picture and you say, my loved one was under the care of this person and he gave this drug, this drug, this drug, this cocktail, this execution drug, I think it's enough for the public to know that this man killed my child. It's enough for the yeah. public yeah. to know that this doctor killed my wife or my husband or my mother. Yes. I mean, yes. so you don't have to slander yes. them. People... Well, it's not we have over one. you're saying that this actually happened. You, you were reporting right. facts. You weren't making things up right. and you weren't trying, trying to, to hurt them by making things up. These are things they actually did. Yeah, and the issue is right now the doctors and them are trying to scrub themselves off the Internet so you can't find the images. So we have to work quickly to make sure we could get, you know, snapshots of who they are you know, in public places like LinkedIn or Facebook or Instagram. We need their faces. Everybody needs to know who they are. You're right. And if we could hurt them by, by, you know, not letting them make money in their private practice and not going to the hospital. I mean, there was a story with um, when they put the the vaccine mandate, 11 of the IT workers in this Catholic hospital said, no, we're not going to take the uh, vaccine. Right away, within two days, they had to reverse the, the mandate because the hospital could not run without the IT. This was even right. nurses and doctors rebelling. This was the IT, and they had to reverse right. it. Right. So why it is that people are not standing up? That's a because good question. Because they're afraid of losing about, their job. Yeah, the airline pilots. The reason that the airline mandate went away was because 20% of the airline pilots refused. Which means 80% of them didn't, which is, I don't, you know, I, I want to fly with an unvaxxed crew, quite frankly. Um, but yeah. uh, this is why anybody who's a pilot, you know, we've all sort of decided amongst ourselves, anybody with flight experience, you know, lets the, crew, lets the cabin crew know, by the way, I'm a flight instructor, you know, even though it's been a while, I can, I can land this thing if you have to, you know, I mean, you just, you just kind of, I haven't had, I haven't had to fly, uh, you know, since COVID started, but uh, the, I'll tell the crew I got flight experience. You know, same thing. Sure, but, yeah. uh, because 20% of the airline pilots refused, uh, they couldn't fly without 20% of their pilots. There's a pilot shortage anyway. And so it doesn't take yeah. everybody, it doesn't require everybody to act, you know, positively, but it requires enough people to act. I'll tell you an interesting example. I was at, I did a stadium um, rally a couple of Fridays ago. And they're in the stadium, and I tried something I'd never done before. I had everybody get out their cell phones. Uh, I took them directly to the vaccine product liability bill. You know, and they're all there with the phones. They're all doing it. And I said, okay, copy that link. And then I said, okay, now we're going to go to contact Matt Gates, And uh, there's our congressman here in the first district in, in Florida. And they did that. And I said, okay, take the link, post it into the email spot, say, please submit and pass this bill. You know, and, uh, and they all were on their phones. And I, I don't, I haven't heard a thing from his office. And I was, I was there. I visited it last Friday. Uh, it was about a week later. And people were there. They put it on their phones. I know they did. I watched them. I mean, the whole crowd was that. You can watch the video. They're all there on their phones. They're copying the link to doing it, but, I, but I, no one's told me that they actually sent it in. So there's a disconnect here. There's something that prevented an entire stadium of activists. These are people who, who believe exactly what we were doing. That it was only 120, but not, I don't think, I don't know if any of them actually sent it in. Where's that disconnect? Where's that powerlessness come from? Where is the, uh, I'm just one person. It's not going to make a difference when it would make a difference, and they don't see it. There's, there's something going on here, unless that's just the enemy I don't, taking away all their willpower to do anything positive. Rebecca? I, I don't think our government is working for us anymore. Well, I know that. Whether it's Republican or Democrat, I don't think years. they're working for us. No, 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 they, no, no. no. Well, 
I, I can send you some stuff uh, off the air, but if you, if you go to our original bill, and this is here's here's how here's how we got involved in COVID. We had this whole thing figured out in two weeks, uh, because I had uh, Dr. Peter Pry, who was killed, I believe, by the COVID shot, uh, got uh, Bill Gertz, who is the the very prominent national security reporter for the Washington Times. He was on February 25th. I think he had COVID at that time because he sounds terrible, uh, but he was on for half an hour. And he told us all about the Wuhan lab and everything else. This is February 5th of 2020. This is before the emergency is declared. This is before 15 days to slow the spread. This is everything. And he's on. I'm like, wow, this is interesting. So two days later, I write a bill. I do some. So as soon as he's on, I stop hopping. I start hopping on the computer. And within three hours, I was a virologist. I mean, I knew what killed him. I knew what drugs killed him. I knew what viruses killed other viruses. I mean, I had the whole thing. I had it all laid out, right? So two days later, I wrote a bill, February 27th. This is of 2020. And I said to, it, was a, it was a resolution for Congress that they could only spend half their money on uh, vaccines. The other half had to be spent on early treatments. Because by then I had the, the, the report from Dr. Didier Rolot to Marseille, France, that uh, chloroquine kills COVID. So we knew. So I said, look, we've already got the treatment. We know how to cure this thing. There is no pandemic. And I, said, and I announced that March 2nd. Okay? We're still two weeks out from 15 days to slow the spread. Two weeks out, I said, there is, no, there is no pandemic. There's no need for this. There's no need to worry. We've got the cure. We've got the treatment. We've got everything to take care of this. Relax, folks. Take this. Or if you have it and you're over it, as I was, you're done. Remember, I don't know if Wendy remembers my show. It's beginning of January 2020. I sounded like hell. Remember when I was trying for all those extra you know, guest hosts and things like that, Wendy? Yep. Uh-huh. That was COVID. I do. That was COVID, right? That was COVID. It was a yeah, race to the whole area. Everybody had it. So, we all, so, of course, after that, we were immune. And people were like, you've got to wear a mask. Look, like I've already had it. I'm not worried about a thing. It's done. I'm in the 99.9% of people that got it, got over it, and we're fine. Just lead your life. So we already knew. So, so March 2nd, two weeks before, you know, two days to, uh, 15 days to slow the spread, we already realized there is no spread. It's already gone through. What, what, are, you, what are you people worried about? Mm-hmm. And, yes, the death rate increased to April 15th. And by mid-July 2020, it was done. COVID was over. Everything after that is government uh, hoax, protocol, deaths, and, and everything else they did to, uh, to do what they're doing now. And so it's, it's stacked. But we had it all figured out. And I, I'm no genius. You know, I just a guy that looked up for a couple hours on the Internet about viruses, figured out that we – and read a couple of studies. We've got the cures. And there were other articles. I've still got them, too. The early, early articles came out. So the knowledge was there. But here's where the evil came in. All that stuff was taken off the Internet or suppressed or, or just you didn't hear about it. You had to look to find it. It's still there. I've still got the articles. So they're obviously still there. Um, but, uh, but we knew. It wasn't that hard to figure out. And we broadcast it from the beginning. So guess what happened to, to uh, the algorithms on Action Radio? <laughs> you know, the hammer came down. And uh, that was it. But it never oh, wow. changed. Never, never varied for a second. But we had it all. Two weeks we had to figure it figured out from uh, mid-February to March 2nd. We had the whole thing solved. That we had the treatments, we had what was needed, we knew where the falsity was in government, we knew where the liars were. I started calling him Dr. Fascist way back, and we had it all done. And I sent that resolution to, to Matt Gates. I said, look, you need to get this into Congress. Never heard back. And the staff blocked it. Who knows what happened? Whatever happened, I, you know, I, I emailed press release. That I, I don't even if you know if you remember that. And the weird thing was I read it a couple of years later, and it, and it talks about a bioweapon. We were talking bioweapons in February of 2020. We already knew. So uh, the truth was out there, <laughs> you know, but nobody wanted to hear the truth or act on it. And the yeah. people that knew the truth and were, were causing the evil, they wanted this suppressed big time. And so that's what happened to us. Now I got you caught up. Rebecca? Yeah, I think what they want to do right now is just destroy America. That's, that's the main focus. Destroy the family, destroy the education, destroy the healthcare system. They are destroying America. 100%, you know, and 
oh, citizens have to start taking action. Um, Dr. David Martin said he's trying to get the sheriffs involved because the sheriffs should make the arrests. Um, our judicial system is not helping. The AGs are not helping. So citizens have to get involved in any way they can. Mm-hmm. And probably then they, they, our congressmen and senators will listen to us because we will become more powerful than them. They're not doing anything for us. And Even the black community is still there. Yeah. Yeah. Wendy, what happens when the good guys fail? I mean, uh, where, where, where does that come in, in history and scripture? I mean, how do we inspire people it, that it should is, be doing the right thing? You know, but they're not. Wendy? Well, you take them out. I mean, okay. and that's, that's just all there is to it. I mean, you, we are not to be tolerating evil in any form. But we have gotten so used to tolerating evil that it mm-hmm. is now absolute wickedness. Mm-hmm. Not on this show. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, 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 you know, I mean, we, we've been, we, we, and the funny thing was, we were right the whole time. We knew we were right. We never backed down for a second, and it was, and the evidence was all there. So, what separates us from? Uh, this is for both of you. What separates those of us who knew the truth, said the truth, had absolute conviction, knew we were right, even when the entire world was telling us we were wrong and we were crazy and we were conspiracy, conspiracy theorists and all this other kind of stuff, and still so we knew, you know. Well, it's not that hard to also, stand up. You know, Noah was a conspiracy theorist until it started to rain. <laughs> I got to make a bumper sticker of that one. That one's good. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, hmm. don't so me, my, them, that's supposed to be one of the things that are supposed to shut you up and intimidate you as soon as mm-hmm. they call you a conspiracy theorist. Um, mm-hmm. And that's when you say, I'm sorry, but we have to get some news. Uh, conspiracy theories, because all the ones that we, you thought were just theories have already come true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what's wrong with the theory? What, like evolution? There's a conspiracy theory. It's still around. <laughs> I throw that in people's yeah. faces. You know, I mean, there's so many things you can do. I mean, and, and so it's, so it's, see, the, that's the other thing, too, is the intimidation factor. When they say, you know, you're a conspiracy theorist, or, or I've been called a racist on the show, which I laughed at. It was hysterical. Pianchi was on. He's black. Josie was on. She's Latina. She knows me. All these folks on. I'm the only white guy on the show, and I'm called a racist, right? So, so you, just, you just go with these things. You say, okay, prove it. Well, of course, the caller couldn't prove it. You know? And so challenge these people. You know, when, have the courage when they say, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist or you're, you're against America or the experts say this. Well, the experts killed a million people and we're trying to save them. So, so much for your experts. Your experts really don't have a good track record. You know, your climate mm-hmm. change experts are idiots. You know, carbon dioxide is plant food. Stop being such stupid people. Um, you know, and yeah, I think if just, everybody... Yeah, go ahead. I think if everyone planted a tree, we wouldn't have any climate change. Which yeah, well, we trees really are don't themselves. Well, the trees are no playing themselves now. Anyway, okay. Yeah, the, the trees are playing themselves with all the extra carbon dioxide out there. I mean, the carbon dioxide is a good thing. Wendy, I'm sorry, you, you said yeah, something. It is. I, I said there is no uh, climate change. This is all conspiracy theory on their part, um, yeah. and it's just a way to control the people. So, you know, just yeah. debunk that because it's just a bunch of hooey. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we really do, um, seriously, we, we've got to start um, organizing and getting things done uh, on the grassroots level because um, they can say it's conspiracy theory and it's all a bunch of hooey all they want to, but when it starts going down, they're going to go, oh, (laughs) and then it'll be too late. So Mm -hmm. we really do have to rally now. So I'm asking all of our listeners to go to Rebecca's site, to go to the Action Radio site, to go to the Right Show Laws site, and actually take some action because if, if you don't, 
take it now is going to be too late because as America goes, the world goes. Mm-hmm. You know, and we try to make it as easy for, as possible for people. And Rebecca, you know, you want to do this too. It's like make it easy for people to document their stories. You know, make it easy for them to send you pictures. Uh, make it easy to post doctors. But you got to, we got to make sure they're verified. I don't want people to put up there slanderously for, you know, for things they didn't do. So this is where you're going to have to be careful. But for write your laws, I mean, how hard is it to go to the website? I've, I've told people writeyourlaws.com. Click legislation, click all proposed laws, click vaccine legislation, click on the bill, paste it to an email, send it to your member of Congress or media or both. <laughs> it doesn't cost any money. What we do, and you don't have to go anywhere. There's no rallies. There's no, you don't, you know, there's no time commitment. There's no meetings. You just copy the bill and send it in on your own time. And yet it's still not happening. It's the easiest thing in the world. We can do everything except share the bills for the people. That we can't do. But we can do everything else systems here you know you know something greg we had over a million people affected and out of that million people adds up all their family members is about 43 to 45 million family Uh members so you have a big voting block there you have people that this needs this bills need to go out to who are hurting and who want to see a real president we want to see a real senate you know we want to see a real congressman working for us um i think that's a very big big block there you have to share these well and if thank you, you. i just hope to get it to the election, <laughs> then, yeah. we just need the media well wendy doesn't i don't know if she heard the show where you were on talking about your meeting with the trump team uh, any results from that any updates uh nothing as yet nothing as yet but they they did listen because it's a 45 45 million people voting block they could lose and bobby kennedy is out there already with the vaccine since this whole thing came out and the death by the protocols the hospital protocols so to me, it's whoever is going to do the right thing for us. Yeah, I'm trying it to get Bobby Kennedy really to endorse our. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to get Bobby to endorse our bill. Uh, I call him Bobby because Judy Mikevitz doesn't. You know, I'm friends with Judy. Judy's friends with Bobby, so he's got he's got our vaccine legislation. I know he's busy, but if he can endorse that, the whole world changes. You know, citizen legislation yeah. to put uh, to shame Congress to put you know vaccine product legislation out there. Anybody can read it. Anybody can understand it. It's the easiest thing in the world. I write these bills very simply, uh, and the other folks that write bills, you know, we take out the, the stuff you don't need, uh, and it's very direct. In fact, you can use that one as a model, uh, Rebecca, for anything you want to write. Our vaccine bill, okay. there's like five small parts to it, uh, or look at the, uh, the big tech censorship bill. It basically takes the old bill, writes a new bill, you know, says that uh, they're immune from what we do with social media and search engines, but if they touch anything we do with social media and search engines, then they lose their immunity and they can be sued. It's about three lines. You know, our bill to uh, to take away Congress's power to borrow money, constitutional amendment, is about two lines. You know, the things that we do people are need very to know that. simple. Yeah, well. People need to know that it's very simple and it's very easy. Mm-hmm. You just have to have, like, like Meg Skinner, she was the one who was able to get us the meeting after 10 months. And um, obviously we will report to her. Meg, Meg Skinner, I'll write her name. You. Yeah, send um, that to me because I don't know. So, well, you know, yeah, yeah, I want to contact so, them also. <laughs> Cause, cause yeah. she, you know, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it took her 10 months, but she was saying that we have to have meetings in our backyards. We have to have meetings in the park. We have to start from the grassroots, which is true. We have well, to start dropping that. flyers everywhere we go. 
Yeah, see, I think the internet's a much faster way of doing it than flyers, but because uh, that costs money, and I'm always trying to, to to save and have people just—they've already bought their internet, they've already bought their phones, they bought their computers. Let's use those. Wendy, I, I guess you have to go now, but you've been invaluable. I mean, this, yeah. I'm so glad you were able to stay. But uh, Rebecca's going to be on after you every Wednesday, so if you have a few extra minutes, you know, it's always you're always welcome to stick around. Awesome. Well, thank you, and thank you for all that you're doing, Rebecca. And Greg, as always, I bless you and all that you're doing. And everybody listening, thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. Okay, contact information? Don't forget. Uh, You can contact me on Facebook at Wendy Arthur or Art by Wendy Arthur or Dimensions Ministries. There you go. Thanks, Wendy. Nice meeting you, Wendy. Uh, Nice to meet you, Rebecca. Bye-bye. Isn't this an amazing group we have here? <laughs> it really yes, is. Yeah. You know, so, uh, yeah. And so feel free to contact Wendy. Um, you guys can chat. Yes, Anna, I will. Is, I definitely will. Yeah. But I think this is so important for anybody that's in this struggle, you and Scott and everybody that's doing this and everybody that's lost family members, you know, get, you know, get, get more God on your side. And I'm not saying you don't have God on your side to start with. I'm just saying get more God on your side. In other words, find the folks that can give you the strength to do what you're doing and take away the burden. And explain that this is this is done by by evil, um, that uh, that you didn't cause the evil, that evil was done to you, and so with that burden removed, then you can be much more effective, and you can live your life in a you know much better way, uh, and be the best fighter you can. So I think it's critical to match folks like Wendy with folks like you who are doing what you're doing, and she does what she does, you do what you do, and together you make a really strong team. And that was you know uh, I don't think it's an accident that we picked this hour for you to follow Wendy. I mean. I, you know, I figured, yeah, I spent a few uh, minutes, half yeah. half an hour later, you guys are still talking, which is great. I mean, that's what that's what makes yes, Fashion no, Radio no. what it is. Yeah. Okay. I think God put to it together. You know, He puts. Yeah, yeah, I have to go in a little while. Yes, I think okay. God put it all together for us, and um, we are building a coalition, a movement, and it's so sad that most people I spoke to who lost a loved one, they were Christians. They oh, were Christians. That's interesting. I would say 99% uh, of the people I spoke to were Christians. I've never heard that. And I profess my, yeah, I profess my faith in the hospital to the doctors, you know, and at Danielle. So they know, they, they know it's already when you come in if you're a Christian or not a Christian. But it's very sad. Most of them were Christians. I don't think I spoke well, to one person who was a Hindu or, or a Muslim or a Buddhist. Well, let me think about that for a minute, because I know uh, when I was uh, introduced to Dr. Zelenko, he he was up in a very uh, prominent Jewish community in Upper State New York, Upstate mm-hmm. New York. And so yeah. I met a, a friend of mine in Brooklyn, and it just, it just happened to know both of us, right? And so I got introduced to Dr. Zelenko, so all the folks that he dealt with were Jewish, and he was losing people. you know. And so he's, he's from Ukraine originally, it's interesting, he was born in Ukraine, uh, came here. And, uh, but, uh, I don't think, I don't think really, I think it depends on where you are. Like, I don't think we have a large Jewish population in like in Florida. Well, not where I am in this part of Florida. No, but I'm from parts. New York. I'm from New York. Well, there York. you go. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, New yeah. York does have a large Jewish population. What about the nursing homes? Yeah. But that's interesting. My neighbor yeah, next door that. from, uh-huh. yeah, my neighbor next door from where I live in Locust Valley, she's in her late eighties. And she's been back and forth in that same hospital, I can't tell you, like every month. And she's not dead. And they didn't kill her. And my other neighbor who went to that hospital also didn't die. And both of them were Jewish. This is, I'm, I'm not saying anything in a negative way. No, I'm just saying how it's... come because it's very shocking to me. I mean, they took my healthy 28-year-old daughter out. And this lady, she's old. She has dementia. 
she has everything. <laughs> and she keeps going back to that hospital. The ambulance is always there. And they didn't use the protocol on her. Why? That's a really good question. I don't know. Uh, I've never seen evidence of, of, uh, of people being selected other than they just wanted to, you know, basically remove Americans, as you said, and destroy the country. I've never seen a, a religious thing. Uh, you know, uh, I know that the, like the vaccine, for example, affects women worse than guys. Um, so maybe yeah, but they were in, also uh, taken out unvaccinated in the hospital. There were so many testimonies as soon as they say you were unvaccinated, they say, you're going to die. You're going to die. You didn't get right. the vaccine, you're going to die. It was all your fault. So it was unvaccinated. It was white men. It was a lot of men in their 50s who now their wives are struggling to raise the family. Um, right. They were the elderly. They were the special needs. I mean, there were pregnant women who had to deliver, and they said, we have to vent you before we deliver the baby. We can't deliver the baby unless we vent you and kill uh, the woman. Right. Oh, yeah. It's, it's some sick things, but I have to say 99% of the people I spoke to were Christians. That's interesting. Uh, like yeah. I say, it's worth, it's worth investigating. I would never dismiss anything mm-hmm. out of hand because I don't know. My suspicion mm-hmm. is it would be hard to administer that unless – because you'd have to you – know, if, if that were done on a nationwide basis, you'd have to have some kind of protocol from Dr. Fascist and the health Nazis that would actually state that. It would have to be like an unstated policy because they could never publish it. So they'd have to get the word to enough people to make that a thing where they actually were racially or religiously discriminating against people. I don't think that they're that organized to do that. Not that I've seen. Because what you're basically talking about is a Holocaust. You know, like the Jewish Holocaust. Well, we are in a Holocaust. We are Why, in a yeah, Holocaust. Yeah, I know, but, but it's not, it's not target. Well, I don't know how to target. It might be targeted. I don't know. I mean, like I said, this is where, uh, as the evidence comes in that you gather, if, if it looks to be targeted, then let's know who was targeted. Because basically the targeting well, is the I don't enemy, know they're not. Yeah, go ahead. If the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and the Christians are the ones speaking up, and the Christians are the ones who are the light of this world, then why uh-huh. wouldn't you take them out if you want everybody to be sickos and pedophiles, and apparently they're the ones that get in the free pass, you know? So are legal aliens. If the jab were really good for everybody, the, the first thing they do would be to jab every illegal alien crossing the border. But they don't do that. They've never done they're that. They're not doing it. There were yeah. never mandates for illegals, and yet we've got 5 million people in this country or more, maybe mm-hmm. 10 million people mm-hmm. that came in and were purposely not jabbed and were put on you know, welfare. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, well, something was, here's what I think, though, uh, and I talked about this on the show before, too, uh, the idea of, of uh, the great replacement, not the one the left talks about where they say that white people, you know, are uncomfortable with people of other skin colors. Trust me, I was in San Francisco. Everybody was another skin color. Good <laughs> God, I didn't mm-hmm, care. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody cared about me. We were just, you know, it's a, San, Francisco is actually, San Francisco is a really interesting study of America because it's basically one quarter white, one quarter black, one quarter Asian, and one quarter Hispanic with some other folks mixed in, Pacific Islanders, Native Americans, things like that. But for the most part, there's no majority population in San Francisco. And we all got along fine. So I know this is not a racist country simply because if it were, San Franciscans would be at war with each other. You'd have a white neighborhood, a black neighborhood, an Asian neighborhood, an Hispanic neighborhood, and they'd all be killing each other. Well, they don't. Why? Because yeah. we all get along. <laughs> so, so yeah. you know, I mean, you know, it, it's a fascinating thing to take a look at. So let's take a look at uh, the great replacement, the real great replacement. They're replacing Americans with a peasant class mm-hmm. of illegals dependent on government. So um, illegals get welfare, they don't have the jab, and Americans get abortions and, and COVID you know, protocols. You can't tell me that's not intentional. So there's a division. There's a division I have seen. 
that illegal aliens are being promoted and welcomed and rewarded and financially subsidized. Yep. And Americans are being yep. destroyed, businesses closed, family members killed, uh, jabs, you know, mandated and all this other kind of stuff. You know, so there's your great replacement, replacing people that believe in freedom with those that don't. So that yeah, and is again, that this is uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And this was designed so many years ago, and the Rockefellers uh-huh. is also behind it. Like, there was an article I was reading this morning in 1969 from a Rockefeller insider. They gave a speech in Pittsburgh, and the gentleman recorded it when he was not supposed to record it. So this <laughs> is what they plan. <laughs> yeah, this is what they plan to do. People will have to get used to change. Everything will change constantly. Uh-huh. The real and the stated goals population control, permission to have babies, redirecting the purpose of sex, sex without reproduction and reproduction without sex, sex education as a tool oh, of world government. Yeah. yeah. Encouraging homosexuality, sex anything goes, euthanasia and the demise pill, limiting access of affordable medical care, making eliminating the elderly easier, planning the control over medicine, elimination of private doctors. You see that happening right now. Suppressing mm-hmm. cancer cause as a mean of population control. Inducing heart attacks as a form of assassination. You see that happening also. Educator, as education as a tool for accelerating the onset of puberty and pushing the evolution and much, much more. And I have the complete transcript, but oh, well, just hear these goals. Let me go over it. Now, is that, uh, somebody wrote a book on this. I forgot what it was, the, the Naked Communist. Uh, Leon Skousen, I believe, is the, is the, the book title. He basically uh, outlined me... pretty much what you just said. Yeah, this was the new order of barbarians, the shadow government. Huh. I will post the link to you, and you could read yeah. it. It's very sick. So we are living in this world that is just, you know, the illegals that come in here, they don't have a structure. They don't have a good job, and they come in here, and then what's going to happen to this country? Look well, at where they're coming here. from. <laughs> they, they, they have no legal status. They have no rights, contrary to popular belief, that uh, just because you're in the country on U.S. soil does not mean you can be here. If that were the case, everybody who flew in would be automatically admitted. They wouldn't have to go have a passport and a customs check. So uh, right, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of bad knowledge out there. But we yeah, can cure and it's the, very, very, you know, very sad. Uh-huh. Well, the illegal it's very problem, sad that it just. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I said the, it's very sad to watch these people just come across with promises that you're going to have a better life here. You're not going to have a better life here if you can't speak the language and you can't work. You're going to be living off of government subsidies, and it's just going to well, drain us, and we are going to become just like you. And wanting a better life is no excuse for coming here. If you're coming, the reason for immigration, people don't know this. The, the reason for immigration is not to help the immigrant. The reason for immigration is to help, to help the country. So in other words, you only bring in people that can help the country. And 15 million illegals that are going to be on welfare and vote Democrat is not going to help the country. And so once again, like most things at Action Radio, we've pretty much solved this. Uh, the solution to illegal aliens is civil asset forfeiture. So it can be done with the mm-hmm. ITIN number. It can be done by, by you know, when people register to vote and regist- or try to register their cars or things like that. You know, everything should have a citizenship check. Every interaction with government should have a citizenship check. And once you find people are not yes, citizens yes. or can't prove their citizenship, I've already, we've already got bills to do this. You know, then you seize all their stuff. You don't have to round anybody up. You know, you don't have to send the police in. You don't have to send ICE. You don't have to send any of these things. You just simply use the IRS 
for, for what they're doing to Americans and do it to illegal aliens. Seize all their stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, you start seizing the, the assets, the property, the businesses of illegal aliens, they're going to leave. <laughs> you know, and so you make it impossible for them to live here and they will leave. And you don't have to round them up. You don't have to send in the, the, the guns and the dogs and the troops and the, you know, the, the, the body armor and all the other things that they do to Republicans these days. You know, you just uh, use a computer. This is information. Yeah, but we can do it. Mm-hmm. It is our government that is trafficking these people and trafficking drugs. Of course. So it is. it is our government that is involved in this at the highest level. So that is where the buck stops. It stops with the U.S. government. Yep. And, well, we um, have to have a legal government. The, that's the that's the first thing. Yeah. We need a government that's actually elected by the people, and this isn't it. And this should be a citizen action for citizens to rise up and become stronger than the government. But I probably yeah. might get into trouble for saying that. <laughs> not not on this show. That's the whole purpose of this show is to rise up and be stronger than the government. You know, the, the motto, the, the, the mission statement of the show is that we, the people, give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. And here's the second part, have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. So that is a revolutionary statement. That is as revolutionary as anything in the Declaration of Independence. That's our mission statement. I should probably post that on our broadcast page. And now I think about it because I think people forget. And I forget, too, because, you know, I'm I'm winging this whole thing. And, you know, a a lot of it's on me to to, to create this. Um, But that's our statement. We, you know, because and I thought about this. This is when I was creating Action Radio back in 2014. I'm kind of formulating in my head how to do this. And I said, we need, we, need to, we need a reason. We need a reason for you know, raison d'etre, as the French say. You need a reason to be. Why are you doing what you're doing? And, uh, and I thought about the Declaration of Independence, where Thomas Jefferson says, the just powers of government, the just powers of government come from the consent of the governed. And then I thought, well, how do we give our consent? And then I thought about Christine Ohm, who said, well, actually, no, she said this later. But the, 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 the place we think of most is elections. Well, we can't give our consent there yeah. anymore because the elections are stolen, right? No, so how do we can't. give our consent? Mm-hmm. So how do we give our, So even when the elections we thought were valid, I still thought, how do we give our consent? I said, well, elections, well, that's not good enough because the parties are choosing all the people for us. So that's not even, – right. even before the elections were stolen, the parties were choosing our candidates. So we had no selection there. Mm-hmm. You know? So we couldn't choose the, the people that were, were going to govern us. We had to choose from who the parties said were going to govern us. Well, that's not a choice. So then I thought, how else do we give our right. consent? What, letters, emails, things like that? I said, that's not good enough either because they don't listen. They no. listen to the lobbyists who give them campaign money. So I thought, there's got to be a way that we can give our consent to be governed. And the only way I could think of where we could take the power away that wouldn't cost a fortune, cause a violent revolution, uh, or, or, or any of the other things that, that seem to be blocking the way was to actually change the laws ourselves. And the only way I could think of doing that, that is- was having regular people write the laws that we consent to be governed by. And that's how Action Radio was born. Well, that's very good. That's very good if our governors would take it and, and use those laws and pass those bills. But maybe the other alternative is every state break away with their own independent, um, well, they independent are, governor. They're independent now. Uh, they're in, they can do it now. You know, there's so many things. See, all the mechanisms are in place. People think we have to have uh, a, a massive change. We really don't. The states already, the, the only reason the federal government exists is because the states ratified the Constitution. So the states can get together and say, oh, we screwed up. <laughs> we need to take away some power here. Mm-hmm. Or the states should act independently. Now, I don't want a convention of states because that, when that happens, the liberals are going to take over because the conservatives are weenies. They're babies. They, they don't fight back. And because conservatives don't fight back, I do not trust a constitutional convention. And people say, well, it's a convention of states. Right. It won't be a constitutional convention. Yes, it will. The minute the hammer drops, 
you know, the, the gavel is down and say, we are now open. And immediately the left is going to come in. The media is going to come in. California, Michigan, New York, all the liberal states will come in. They'll crash the party and say, okay, now we're going to get rid of the Second Amendment. We're going to read the First Amendment. These things are too dangerous. You know, we've got to be able to get rid of misinformation. People can't have guns. You know, uh, peaceful protest. No, I don't think so. That's, that's, uh, that's anti-government. You know, and all the stuff that we have is going to be gone. So the best way to do it is to change the laws. Now, the states can do that themselves. Mm-hmm. The states can withhold money. You know, we can pass constitutional amendments. So here's how I see it. Like, like our constitutional amendment to take away the power of Congress to borrow money. Okay? We know Congress isn't going to do that. Now, I used to believe, back in the Trump administration, that we could peacefully submit our bills, that they go to Congress, we could lobby them, and everything would be nice. I don't feel that way anymore. We really have to uh, tell Congress that this is what they have to do, or they're not going to come back. They're not going to come back to office. So what Wendy said, too. So if they're not going to, take, if they're not going to give up their power to uh, borrow money, oh, we're going to have to find a way to take it from them. And the way that we do that is we get the states to ratify it first, individually. So the states mm-hmm. ratify And there's, there's nothing in the Constitution that says the states can't ratify first, as far as I know. I mean, I'll check it out. But even if they ratify by resolution, say we resolve that we will pass this when Congress does it. And enough states do that. We get two-thirds of the, or three-quarters of the states to say we want, we want Congress to uh, uh, pass an amendment that removes their power to borrow money. That's huge. That's what I hope the 2024 campaign will be based on. I'm trying right now uh, to get that out there. But, uh, yeah, can be done. We just yeah, well, to, I hope uh, so. We just yeah. need to wake up and keep fighting. Mm-hmm. Well, you tell all your friends to, uh, you know, just take that one bill, vaccine product liability, just get that one out there. You know, put mm-hmm. that one, and that's, I think that's on your website. I have to check your website again. But uh, that's the one we need. And, and, and maybe the big tech bill, too. Just those two. Make it simple, which I make it as simple as possible for people. Send the links to Congress, send the links to media, send the links to other talk shows, get it out there. You know, I was talking to a reporter earlier who shall remain nameless for now until they come on the show. <laughs> so, but there's, there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff going on that's very exciting. So, uh, you know, our breakthrough's coming, Rebecca, you know, and we all okay. go together. You know, we all go together. Yeah. Um, do you have to go? You probably do. Yes. Yes, I do. Thank you so okay. much for having me oh, on. Welcome. I look forward to Let's get I your website again. Next week Wednesday. It's oh, a deathbyhospitalprotocol.com. Yeah. Thanks, Rebecca. We'll talk soon. Thanks so much, Greg. Yes. Bye-bye right. now. You're very welcome. You take care. All right. So I have another guest coming uh, at the top of the hour. Actually, it's a friend of mine, uh, David Chu from high school. It's the Chuo Show. He's going to embarrass. I'm going to be so embarrassed. I forgot. I haven't talked to this guy since high school, right? Since 40 years ago. So, so we're going to talk about guns in Massachusetts of all places. So I believe it's David Chu, and he'll correct me. I'd be so embarrassed I get my friend's name wrong. <laughs> so, so Dave, but what's so interesting is that he's a, he's a firearms instructor in Massachusetts, which is basically a socialist state. So I don't know how that's going to work. Uh, that's why I wanted to have him on. But uh, I'm sort of going through all my high school friends, and I'm going to bring him back on the show because it's my show and I can. <laughs> So that's what I'm going to do. All right, got a few things to play for you now. It is 8.53. We only have one hour left. Boy, this day has been exciting. Uh, I'll tell you, that was magic, the the conversation between Wendy uh, and Rebecca. And I will be sending that um, to – in fact, I think he's there already. What, I can't take a break? He's there already. Great. (laughs) You probably heard me mention this. Ah, All right, I'll play my stuff later. (laughs) Let's have some fun here. Uh, actually, tell me, you know, let me get my, my guest of the day. And if, Dave, if I totally screw up your name, I know you're going to fix it. So let me introduce our guest of the day. That's the wrong I am flustered this morning. That's my wrong one. I was supposed to play that after they've been on. Here we go. Let's do it again. David Chu. So, again, we're high school buddies. Uh, haven't talked to since high school. 
Um, I've been Facebook friends for years, and I'm sure David's followed some of the stuff that I've been doing here uh, on the air, which is kind of cool. But this is like fun for me to be able to talk to people I haven't talked to in decades um, and see you know, where they are now, where, where we are, what's happening. And so David, as I found out recently, uh, got involved, or I don't know how long he's been involved, but uh, does firearms instruction. So I thought, Massachusetts, firearms instruction? I got to figure this out. So before I embarrass myself more, David, how do you pronounce your last name? No, Chu is fine. Okay, good. What's how do you pronounce it? I mean, let's get the official one. Uh, that's 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 how I pronounce it. Okay, sounds good. Some people good. say right. Chow, say Chow or Cho, and uh, I I say yeah, that's me. So it's all. Well, I was trying to remember back to high school, and I was so embarrassed. I thought about this like a couple of days ago. Oh my god, I can't believe I forgot this. You know, the stupid things you think of before uh, before coming on the show. First of all, good to hear from you. Thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. Well, it's my pleasure. Thanks for reaching out. Oh, no problem. So um, I want to hear your story. Uh, we can talk about other things that are going on, too, because, you know, I guess uh, it's been 40 some odd years since we've talked, but uh, we were buddies in high school and it was, it was just, I was more music stuff. I forgot. What, what, what was your what was your thing way back then? What were you doing? Was it computer Not stuff or engineering stuff? I, Go no, no, you will. Back in the 1970s, yeah, mid to late 70s, when we were in high school, there the personal computer was in, just recently born, you know. Right. But no, I wasn't involved in any of that stuff. Just a just a regular guy, small group of friends, you know. You were you were an acquaintance, and uh, uh, and not until I left high school and went to University of Massachusetts out in the Amherst campus that I got into engineering, and then worked for you know a million years in, in electrical engineering, building integrated circuits, and then finally joining a, a company that made software for hardware engineers that developed integrated circuits. And I've retired just a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of my story. I have a couple of kids. They're both grown, you know, a couple of grandkids, one more on the way. Uh, oh, wow. And that's, nice normal yeah, life. Yeah. Completely different than mine. <laughs> now, I'd forgotten that you went to UMass. So I was out there. Uh, my yes. claim to fame was marching well, you, band. <laughs> Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Tuba, tuba player. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Good talk. Uh, author of several articles in the Collegian, uh, <laughs> some of which caused me some rather controversial stuff. Uh, we're, we're reminiscing here. This is kind of fun. Uh, I, wrote, I don't know if you remember the, the Milkarama. We used to have a thing called uh, Schlitzarama. This is back in the days when fraternities had, you know, all day parties and kegs everywhere. And it was fun. I actually flew over one of those because I was a president of the flying club. And uh, took pictures for it, and they and then the college when they got politically correct in the uh, the, the early uh, late seventies, early eighties. Uh, I was there seventy seven to eighty one. Um, they went, uh, they got rid of some of these things, and I said, okay, fine. What is it? The, the, we're gonna have next the Milkarama, the political. I think I still have that uh, letter I wrote for the Collegian, but uh, yeah, even back then. You know, and I used to be a lobbyist for the school. We go to the state house and uh, get all dressed up in our three piece suits and get more money for the university. So I've been political all this time. But uh, the careers I wanted, like airline pilot, uh, just completely everything went wrong several times. And so it's been mm-hmm. a really mixed bag. And the funny thing is with me that I'm finally finding the career I want when everybody else is retiring. I mean, I started action radio when I was 57. <clears throat> so, mm-hmm. you know, so I was like, hey, you know, sometimes it comes later, but uh, I still feel youthful and energetic and I'm having so much fun with this, as well as I think doing exactly what I need to do. And it's something that I think in many ways only I can do just because of these ridiculous ideas I have in my head that uh, most people would think, ah, that's stupid. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> you know, like, no, I want to try that. <laughs> so that's where I come from. Um, 
Yeah. Terrific. That's yeah. that's a a great uh, story, great uh, career uh, trajectory that that others can take heart in, and that if other folks, younger folks, millennials, what have you, Gen Zs, are like, well, I don't know what I want to do. Well, success, uh, personal and career-wise, however one defines success, can come in many forms. It can take many years. The mm-hmm. classic example is many comedians who've played clubs for decades and recently in their, in their late 40s, early 50s, have only now become reasonably famous. And it takes them a couple of decades to build up that yeah. momentum to become uh, where they are. So uh, terrific. You know, if, if you're happy and doing what, you're, what you love and, and you're making an impact, there's nothing greater than that. So congratulations. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. I'd make a lot more impact if we weren't so so suppressed by big tech, but that's another story. Um, but yes. uh, David, oh, I'll tell you about that. I'll tell you about big tech, but we can talk about that in a bit. Um, I want to get on the gun thing, but um, David, as I remember, just uh, for those, uh, you know, um, just a little insight, had the driest, most sarcastic wit in high school I ever heard. I mean, you, you sort of defined, you know, the dry humor because mm. <laughs> you were funny. Mm. Yeah, I forgot what mm. science class we were in or something like that. It was hysterical. Uh, but I remember some really, mm. really funny moments here. So feel free to be your sarcastic self. Anything goes on the show. So how do you get interested in guns in, in, in the socialist state of Massachusetts? Let's start there. Well, it's sure, sure. Um, so the longer story is that my younger son, uh, he somehow got turned on as, as a teenager, 15-ish maybe, uh-huh. somehow got turned on to paintball. Oh, that's and, interesting. Yes, yes. And then me as the supportive father said, oh, okay, you know, I'll go with you to various indoor paintball uh, Did you do it? Places. Did, did you suit yeah, up yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and get the paintballs? Yeah, oh, that's yeah. funny. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then as he, he, his interest grew and uh, you know, he bought more equipment. So initially, you start off by renting. You go to the place, you rent, and you, right, you, right, right. And you play, in air quotes, for, for a few hours. And then you come out of it, and you go, oh, what'd you think? And I'm like, yeah, okay. So anyway, his interest grew to, to such a degree that he ended up buying his own equipment, got his group of high school uh, buddies to do the same kind of thing. And they went out to the woods, and they would do their own thing for a while. So one thing led to another. And finally, he graduated high school. Went to, went to college, and uh, on his own, when he turned 21, took a class here in town that's required for the, for the Commonwealth of Massachusetts in order to uh, apply for a license. He had to take a class. He did that all on his own, applied for a license all on his own, and then uh, eventually purchased his first uh, firearm uh, while living at home, while uh, being uh, 22 years old or so. Mm-hmm. And so based on that, uh, his influence on his mother and I, like, hmm, okay. Because you've never really is, been a, I don't remember you were talking about it, I don't, uh, but so this wasn't an interest yeah. you had particularly. And this is brought correct. to you by your son, right? Okay, interesting. Correct. I can just imagine that first yeah. dinner conversation. Hey, Dad, I want to buy a gun. You want to do what? <laughs> yeah. No, you're, you're, that's not far from the truth. It's, <laughs> so li- living in suburban Massachusetts, uh, 10, 15 miles out from the city, um, mm-hmm. even though there, there can be a little bit more of a rural suburban mindset out here, probably 
for the lack of a better description, more conservative, more right-leaning, one, one could argue back in the uh, 90s, 2000s, whatever, um, it still wasn't a, a topic that was in the forefront of my mind. Right. But anyway, my, my son kind of drove this interest, and he, he didn't really wear us down, but, but he demonstrated that, that someone with a – with a proper mindset, uh, proper training, could be involved in this uh, in this area, absolutely safely. And so, uh, my wife and I eventually took the class, same class he took, and then we applied for a license, uh, and then eventually purchased our own set of, let's say, tools self-defense and other um, you mean guns. tools. You can say guns here. This yeah. is a friendly environment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I use that. I, I'm, I'm sort of trained to use that term because of part of my, as being a volunteer instructor for the, rot, the local rod and gun club where we teach the class, we are often like to promote the idea that, that firearms, guns, are, are tools and because there are a variety of different firearms and long guns for different purposes, it's, it can be described as, as, as a tool. Like there are many different kinds of hammers and other, ki- and, and other tools of the trade, depending what trade you're in, there's many different kinds of tools. So we mm-hmm. often say that, and I know it's kind of uh, mealy mouth and uh, quizzling to kind of do that sometimes, but, just to drive the, the point home that, okay, this semi-automatic pistol here, uh, well, th- this is used for uh, competitive shooting, NRA competitive shooting um, uh, usage. Uh, this, mm-hmm. this other revolver is possibly can be used as a home defense uh, firearm, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so that, that's kind of how we how I kind of talk about the various sections of the training that I'm usually involved with. You're so, so anyway, formal. We, yeah, we, yeah, <laughs> this is interesting. Well, it's, like, it's like a different I, language yeah. that I'm used to when it comes to guns because we don't care. It's Florida. We don't care. Yeah, yeah. But so being in Massachusetts and then we have – okay, so how did I get into finally, let's say, doing the training thing? Uh-huh. So after, after I bought my – got the firearms and and because I took the class at a local rod and gun club, my wife and I became members. Right. And knowing that uh, we we have a monthly newsletter, it says, okay, hey, you know, we have several times a year, monthly, we have these training classes that that are required for these students to then apply for their license. So take a step back. Now, Massachusetts, unlike Vermont, New Hampshire, Maine, which are now constitutional carry states. Right. There are r- rules and regulations in this uh, formerly uh, cradle of liberty that requires. I want to uh, talk about that. Uh, that's that's yeah. that's on my agenda. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll. Okay. I, want, I want to sort of study that transition. But let's let's keep going though where you're going. Because, now, constitutional yeah. carry. We're talking open carry as well, because some people misname it. Like Florida says, well, you have constitutional carry. No, you don't. You just have no permit carry. But it's not if you don't have open carry, you don't have constitutional carry. Because the Constitution is very clear. The right to keep and bear can't be touched. Real simple. Right. Right. <clears throat> so good, good, that's a very uh, good nuance. So I'm unsure about whether 
Vermont, New Hampshire, and Maine permit open carry constitutionally I think Vermont does, actually, but I don't think many people do. Well, when you, in your travels, have you seen people openly, openly carrying guns in either Ver, Vermont or New no. Hampshire? Okay. No. So they may not have it. We can check the lot. That's not as important. I'll tell you where they do have that I know is Arizona. And when I, when I moved to, to Florida, uh, four months after open heart surgery, that's another story. Um, mm. <laughs> to repair a valve. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's the best, in, the best in the, and the stupidest thing I've ever done in my life was drive to California, drive to Florida from California four months after open heart surgery. Uh, that's, I'll say mm. that one too. But the point is that as soon as I got to Arizona, uh, I got up and, uh, from my, my, uh, my Motel 6 or whatever, you know, flea bag I was in and walked to the, the local diner. And four guys walked in openly carrying 45s cocked and locked. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm in America. I'm out of California. This is so great. I just crossed the border. You know, so I spent the night in Arizona my first mm-hmm. night. And uh, it was fascinating to just see people calmly walk in, 45s, cocked and locked. For those that don't know, the hammer's back uh, and the safety's right. on, which means there's a, there's a round in the chamber. It's ready to go. You draw that gun, you, you, you click the safety off, and you can pull the trigger. And it's a very light trigger pull. So this is a very ready condition. Uh, for a firearm, and four guys walked in, and they're they're, they're in like the camo shirts, and and they know the, the the server, and she knows them, and they're just like, hey, you know, Fred, Biff, Bob, and you know, mm-hmm. whoever else, uh, you know, and they just it was it was like perfectly normal. But in California, they would call it the SWAT team, and all they were yeah. doing was exercising their constitutional right. But the difference of states is so great that the minute you cross into uh, Arizona from California, it's open, concealed, no permanent carry, the way the Constitution mm-hmm. says for everybody, and yet. States completely violated. So the folks in, in New Hampshire, say you live in, because a lot of people live in uh, like Nashua, New Hampshire, which is just across the border uh, from Massachusetts and work in Massachusetts because the money's in Massachusetts, but the freedom's in New Hampshire. <laughs> so can they bring their guns in? You know, I mean, do they, it's, you know, what if they want to go shopping? You know, I mean, it's just, it's an interesting thing. You cross that line, you know, from New Hampshire and Vermont and Vermont's all, never had uh, a permit to carry. You could always carry without a permit in Vermont, which is really interesting for Vermont. But you walk into Massachusetts, and all of a sudden you've got draconian socialist gun laws. That's a big change. You've got to know where the state line is. Right. And, and that's a general um, uh, thought process that, that gun owners need to understand anyway, regardless of where they are. Uh, right. Folks who travel from uh, Maine that, that need to go to a, a competition in Pennsylvania who cross through New York, you've got to be careful about uh, storage of your firearm and uh, and declaring basically you yeah. don't you, yep. you know traveling through New York City if you're going over the well if you if you go over the the, the formerly known as Captain Z Bridge that's one thing mm-hmm. or if you go 95 through the through the big city and you get stopped you know there there could be some issues so anyway generally people who are into the, the firearms need to go to competitions. They, they already trained about this, how to deal right. with, um, uh, with the airlines, if they need to uh, put their firearms in luggage and, and then people traveling by car, they understand, they should know the, uh, the storage requirements through each state, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway. <clears throat> yeah. So I'm, I'm unclear on the, on the gory details in New Hampshire and in <laughs> Maine, but your question is if, if, if a, a resident of New Hampshire, like my youngest son, right. uh, wants to come and visit me, uh, he and, and possess, with, without his firearm being in a locked case, he needs to have a Massachusetts you know, out-of-state out of license. 
Okay. So, uh, so a resident of non-Massachusetts resident can apply for a non-resident license to carry in Massachusetts. And uh, so they recognize the out-of-state license. They recognize the out-of-state license, but do they recognize? <laughs> do you have uh, carry permits in Massachusetts at all, or no? Carry permits in Massachusetts. So as a resident of Massachusetts, one needs to have an LTC license to carry in order to legally possess a firearm. So that doesn't count yeah. buying and keeping it in your home. But if you want to carry it on you or have it in your car, you need to have uh, uh, a license oh, that's interesting. Well, as opposed to a permit. Well, 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 okay. Well, to keep Tell a me firearm, to keep, yes. So to keep a firearm in your home, uh, now, in Massachusetts, a firearm, the term I'm using is very specific meaning. It's any, uh, I'm not going to go through gory details, but basically a handgun is considered a firearm. Long guns, you know, rifles, uh, and shotguns have different rules and regulations. <clears throat> so to possess a, in general, to possess a long gun in Massachusetts, all you need is an FID, firearms ID card, which allows you to go hunting and then transport your long guns to and from either a hunting area or the range. But to, but to possess a firearm, the pistol, a revolver, mm-hmm. semi-automatic pistol, barrel less than 16 inches, uh, you are required to have an LTC, license to carry, even though you may not actually carry that firearm on your body for personal protection. If you are in a possession of a firearm in a locked box, to have an LTC. So there's a difference between a license and a permit. Uh, like in, in Florida, we have what's called a shall issue. It was a shall issue state. In other words, if you meet the criteria, you're not a felon, you know, you're of the right age, uh, then uh, they have to give you a permit to carry. Uh, so you just fill out the paperwork and take your picture and away you go. I still got my carry permit. I won't need it after, I think it's either June or July 1st because we've gone to, you know, a no permit carry. Uh, system, mm-hmm. but uh, but in Massachusetts it's different. They they actually license you. Does this license need renewing? Is it only good for a certain amount yes. of time? And can it be revoked at any time for I don't know parking tickets, you know, bad behavior, immoral thoughts? What? Okay, so the license to carry currently is a six year renewal. So okay. the LTC uh, is good for six years. And then you, you apply again using the same mm-hmm. form, and right. you just check off the box that says renew. And then, the, but the process is is takes just as long as if you were a new applica- applicant. Uh, okay. Because it goes it goes through the, the whole let's say background check, air quotes, me- background check, mental hospital check. Wait, 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 mental, wait, wait, mental hospital check. What's going on here? Do you have to pass a test? Yeah, Do you have to have a psychological evaluation or what? No. Excuse okay. Me. No, but, but your application is passed around to, as far as I know, the way I heard it, is it goes around to various uh, institutions around, around, the, uh, around the state. So if you are, if you are committed, if you, if you have a stint at a, at a, at a mental health stint uh, in, in right. hospital, inpatient, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and you did not, uh, you did not voluntarily go. If you were committed for some reason, then, okay. then that is something that, that is examined as part of the 
application process. So if you're declared, for lack of a better description, schizophrenic or, or unstable, that mm-hmm. would be grounds for denying the applicant uh, for the license to carry. Hmm. Okay. I'm, I'm just curious how strict it is because usually what happens is, especially states like New York, uh, will use these laws against people and they become may issue. In other words, now do you have to have a reason for carrying or is it you just no. have to prove that okay. uh, you're not ineligible to carry? Um, so, so See what I'm saying? This, yes, I think I do. So the, if, you were, if you don't have a felon uh, a felony on your record, you're, and you're not uh, otherwise uh, declared mentally. This is my words, not the words of the state, but let's say incompetent or you, you, you're unstable, uh, and uh, you, you are a shall issue because of Bruin, the Bruin um, Supreme Court uh, Bruin decision. Uh, mm-hmm. Now the the local licensing authority. So here's another twist in the town that you reside, the local authorized uh, authority, which is typically mm-hmm. the, the police chief mm-hmm. and, and his designee can uh, prior to Brune could say uh, we, it is a, we, it's a may issue. So we could kind of deny you and we can give you a reason. Now with Brune, uh, unless you are a prohibited pre- possessor because of felony again or because of mm-hmm. mental health um, declarations uh, <clears throat> then then it's it is a shell issue fundamentally a shell issue and that's great for people who live in kind of restrictive cities like Lowell Lowell used to have um, uh, restricted licensing and that they would say to the applicant, well, you, you are allowed to be in possession of your firearm in a lockbox as you go to and from the gun range. Mm-hmm. But you are, but we, we in the city of Lowell say that you, even though you have no felony and otherwise not a prohibited possessor, you cannot carry the firearm on your body for personal protection. Hmm. So low off, Which constitutionally they can't say, and uh, I'm sorry, what were you saying? Yes, yes, but that so they, they that's can't do that. Low, cities like uh, right, but that, but well, that, and I know they do it, but they yeah. can't do it. Yeah. I mean, constitutionally, and this is yeah. where it gets interesting. That, uh, but we used to have, uh, like in California, they had uh, preemption. Now California was still a May issue state last time I was there, which means they can deny you and do deny everybody. Uh, you know, New York, same thing. You're, you're automatically denied unless you're a Donald Trump, fabulously wealthy, a major contributor to Democrats or things like that. Um, so it's it's a it's very favoritism system. It's like the elite get guns and everybody else doesn't. Um, that's why the difference between a shall issue and a may issue. May issue means they decide if your reason is good enough to exercise your constitutional right, which is a huge contradiction. Shall issue means unless you're you're disqualified for some reason. In other words, you can't uh, own a gun, then uh, you can't carry one. <laughs> you know, so if you can't own one, you mm-hmm. can't carry one. That's how a shell issue works. Uh, but if you can't own a gun, you can carry it. So what's the purpose of owning it if you can't carry it? You know, that doesn't make any sense. I you agree. Know, so, yeah, yeah. Anyway, but it is, it is interesting. So this is different, though, because Massachusetts, I never thought of as a shell issue state. I always thought they were a May issue state. Did that change? Well, uh, this, yeah. this broom decision well, you're is, talking about? Yeah, yes, yes. Because of broom, the licensing authorities, the police chiefs, cannot just, let's say, air quote, willy-nilly, say, eh, denying you or right. uh, 
or, or give you other restrictions like, no, you can only go to and from the, uh, the range with your firearm in a locked box, like Lowell. Mm-hmm. That's, that, that's why I brought up the story about Lowell, right. the city of Lowell, or perhaps Worcester or Springfield, which are some of the other cities in, in, in Massachusetts. <clears throat> How about Amherst? Now, we went to school. Oh. Is anybody carrying on? the? Now, I never thought of this at the time when I was a student at the University of Massachusetts, um, but uh, it wasn't an issue because we didn't have as many of the school shootings. Of course, we didn't have the same level of psychotropic drugs and the other things that cause these school shootings that we, we, we know now. Um, but back when we were in school, it, was, it never would have occurred to me to want to go on campus. Now it would, because you know, there have been several university shootings you know, since we went to school. Uh, so, what's this, so is there campus carry at all? Can students apply for it, or is it banned throughout the University of Massachusetts system? I, I bet I, you it is. I cannot... And it very may well be. I cannot speak to that with any level of authority. I have no yeah. idea if they. Uh, so that's that's the end of that. I don't know. Maybe they do. And then, so what's the conversation? What, what if a, a young man or uh, a young person, especially female, because of the of the uh, victim mm-hmm. class, right? Females are uh, can be victimized. Uh, well, well, males can't see, but it's different. One, you know, yeah. Yeah, so a 21 year old young lady on campus. Mm-hmm. What, what would I what would I suggest if it's just between that young lady and I? I'd say you do what you can to to defend to be able to defend yourself, <clears throat> skills, plans, and, and action. Um, whether that's uh, non lethal. Like a like a pepper spray. In in, a, in mm-hmm. recent recent years, Massachusetts law has changed regarding oh. excuse me carrying of uh, of non lethal, so that you can if you're 18 or over, I believe you you can just walk into a any place that sells and without a license, without any kind of FID or any, and just just buy it and and away you go. Whereas prior, you had to have some kind of a licensing in order to be able to carry. Uh, non-lethal. Hmm. So anyway, I, uh, my my recommendation my recommendation yeah. would be that young lady, yeah, find find a way to to have tools on you to defend yourself yeah. and skills to use them. So that's mindset as well as having uh, some some hardware on you to defend yourself, but also again mindset. Um, <clears throat> but they say, well, my school doesn't allow it. Okay, so understood. So they can expel you if you are somehow discovered didn't have these banned items on campus. So that's, that's a, this is something you will have to decide. What is, what is that level of risk uh, you're willing, willing to take? But, in, but instead of just saying, uh, because it's banned, I'm never ever going to think about being able to defend myself with, with a, with a tool. There's that word again. Well, I'd say you, you, you probably ought to think twice about the level of, of risk you're willing to, to take given what you know about what happens on campus. Now, if you say, oh, but I, I go to Holyoke and it's like, there's like no violence. Fine. Yeah. That's your decision. That, that makes perfect sense. You know, that's how you have uh, run the calculus and the result is this. Cool. But if you're on a campus that there's Boston, <laughs> uh, Northeastern borders, you know, some <laughs> rough areas. And well, what would you, and recently, yeah. just the other day, there was a news article about some young lady, Returning to her, uh, her her sorority, I think, uh, at night, and was was sexually accosted by oh. a level three sex offender. Yeah. 
and she, she's okay. Who was let out by a but, liberal district attorney, and we know the whole story around the country. So that's, uh, but, yeah. Perhaps, perhaps not. But anyway, this is what happened. Level three sex <laughs> I can speculate. Foster. You don't have to. I mean, I, I, you know, yeah. I don't have any restrictions on me. <laughs> I can say whatever I damn well please. So anyway, that's, um, that's, that's kind of the story about licensing in Massachusetts, I think, unless you have any other further clarifying questions or no, no, it just gives me a sense of what's going on. But uh, like I say, I, was, mm-hmm. I assumed that, uh, that it was a uh, – it's good to know it's a shell-issue state because uh, that's good because my suspicion was May issue. So one of the reasons I left California, you know, I wanted to be yeah. able to carry a gun, to know what it's like to live as a free man carrying a gun. You know, now I'm going to find out what it's like to carry a gun without a permit. I don't think it's going to be that big a change. The, the shell-issue never really bothered me. It's the lack of open carry that bothers me you know, because mm-hmm. that's because the normalization of firearms – uh, the sight of people, non-government people carrying guns is critical. Uh, it was interesting to see those four men walk into that uh, diner. And uh, the reaction, there was no, the reaction was no reaction. It was like, okay, hey, guys, yep, how you doing? You know, and so that is huge for us because psychologically people, you know, they're conditioned by government to think that only government people should have guns. You know, this is, this is what, it's what I call the Second Amendment in reverse. You know, government can do what they want and people can't. Go ahead. What are you going to say? So you bring up a good point because in mm-hmm. Massachusetts, as far as I know, there is no regulation that prohibits open carry. Hmm. That's interesting. Now, we did something in California, um, and it had the opposite result <laughs> because there was, there was no regulation. They had, the regulation with open carry was you had to have you know, your, your gun on one side and then your magazines or ammunition speed loaders on the other side of your body. Uh, which I thought was kind of silly, but that's the way they did it. So we had this open carry group, and we used to go to uh, Starbucks, and there's a pizza restaurant uh, in the East Bay uh, that we went to, and some couple, mostly Starbucks, though, because at that time they were pretty open to what we were doing. And so we'd meet, but we'd have to go see the cops. We'd tell the cops ahead of time, and they'd, they'd meet us and check that our guns were unloaded. And, of course, they, they're gun handling. It's like, dude, you know, it's like, uh, you know, don't, I don't like the slide being dropped on an empty chamber. I just don't. It's not good for the gun, not good for me, and I get really pissed off. Of course, they did it anyway because they don't care. Um, one time, no big deal. Uh, but anyway, so I had my, my Glock Model 22, my, my 40 caliber, and I had my two magazines on the other side. And so we did this several times. And, but we were, we were carrying openly because you couldn't carry concealed you know, without a permit, which they weren't going to give you anyway in California. So but you could carry openly, which is kind of interesting. Um, so we did. So we went to a couple of Starbucks and a, and a pizza place, and the pizza restaurant was the best day they ever had. It was also the safest day they ever had because half, half of the, the patrons were, were carrying guns. The other half were customers. And we'd sit with them. we said, can we sit with you? Yeah, this is interesting. You're all armed. Yeah, we are. And uh, what do you think? You know, oh, okay, well, let's talk about that. And so this, you know, actually, it's not that bad because once they see a regular person, everything, everything changes. And your, your, your perception is armed people are dangerous, you know, white supremacists, whatever they are, whatever the perception is, right? So we walk in, sit down with people with a nice, friendly faces and say, hey, you know, and we tell people, I said, this is the safest restaurant in the entire San Francisco Bay Area right now because half the customers are armed. Nobody's going to cause you problems. And, of course, there were the kids around and all kinds of stuff, and, and the pizza restaurant loved it. You know, like I say, it was the best day they ever had. They kept inviting us back. So then we got to go other places and spread the word. Well, of course, the state got wind of this. And what they did was they banned open carry, you know, which, is, which I had a feeling was going to happen anyway. But it was interesting for a while in California to be openly carrying, meet our police outside, get their, the government permission, which we shouldn't need by the Constitution. In fact, we don't need. Uh, and then we'd walk into restaurants and, of course, nothing happened, right? And, uh, and that was the whole point, is to show that armed people, you know, are going to have a nice time. You go to Starbucks, we're going to order a cup of coffee, sit down and talk. That's it. 
you know, we're not the problem. <laughs> and, and, but it was, it was perceptually, um, open carry was fine. All people have to do is see it, you know, with an individual in person uh, carrying a gun, and that takes away. Initially, they're shocked, and then they get over it. And it's like, you know, we're just regular people like you are. So that's what has to happen. Um, but you might want to think about that, uh, organizing an open carry event. I would even talk to the police, just say, hey, guys, here's what we're doing. We don't want you to be shocked because we're probably going to get calls. But if they know about it ahead of time, it's not such a big deal. It's like, yeah, they already talked to us. This is a group. They're, they're doing this as, a, as an open carry event. Find a, 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 a place that is receptive to this idea, some business establishment that's very, pop, that's very uh, popular in public, you know, like a restaurant or a coffee place or something like that. Just walk in open carrying. <laughs> you know, if you have to meet the police out front like, the, like we did in California, okay. You know, but the but the, the, the sight value of seeing regular citizens openly carrying guns is huge, huge. That's why they don't want it. That's why the, 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 the socialist states don't want open carry. So would you if you could? You don't have to admit that here on the radio, but I'm curious. <clears throat> um, so I would not open carry only because there is a level of, of hassle because – Mm-hmm. Open carry is uh, so limited here. Basically, nobody I've never seen outside from law enforcement. Uh, yeah, that's the problem. Yeah, so anyone seeing open carry would cause distress among the hoi polloi. So you go to you know the big the big uh, supermarket around here is called a Market Basket. If I were to open carry market basket uh, supermarkets, uh, there would just be, people would just be dialing 911 <laughs> every second. And there would, there, would be, there would be police swarming into the building, even though here's my license and here's my hip mounted, you know, whatever. That's what and you do it with a lot of people it, and organize it ahead of time and put it in the news media and make it uh, very public. This is what you're going to do, date, time, the whole bit. Notify the police I, and... Uh... <laughs> yes. What? But then the other downside of open carrying is that people with nefarious thoughts uh-huh. could then target you as a, uh, and, and yes. uh, you know, whack you upside the head with, with, a, mm-hmm. with something and take your firearm and whatever. So That's why you need comes, lots of people openly carrying. So the more people openly carrying, they can't get everybody. There's usually very few perps uh, and usually a yeah. lot more people. Like in, I, would, I would guess uh, at any given day at any of our shopping centers, maybe a third of the people are armed. Just as a guess, because there's so mm-hmm. many people who who conceal carry in Florida, uh, I'm one of them. Yes, of course people know me. Yeah. you know, but uh, yeah. I mean, I've said it on the radio before, so I'm not I'm not you know giving away secrets here. But I would open carry. So here's the question, and this is the value of normalizing the sight of guns on people versus the danger of having some perp steal it from you. So I understand that. That's a very valid uh, point. My where I come down on it, that the value of of normalizing the sight of firearms outweighs the danger of someone taking my firearm, especially if it's a cross draw right in front of me. They have to reach around in front of me and grab it. I don't think so. And you can get retention holsters and you can do all kinds of things. And what I probably do is do both. I probably have uh, an open carry and a concealed carry just so that I had a backup. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm not going to say on the radio how I would do that. Um, but uh, the, obviously you'd see the open carry firearm. The other one, eh, it's going to be somewhere, <laughs> you know, but uh, that, as a backup, just because of that thing, I don't want to have, have one taken, but um, but the open one you definitely see. So, yeah, maybe I have two open carried. You know, who knows? I mean, it, it, it's my choice. But there, there are ways to do it. And that's one of the things, because I served in uh, customs for a while, about a year and a half, until they told me I was too old to do anything interesting. 
And so I left. <laughs> I was I was sitting in a booth stamping passports at uh, San Francisco International Airport. And six months later, I said, I'm going crazy. You know, you can't do this to a guy with a brain. Make me sit here and stamp passports eight hours a day. I'm going friggin' nuts. I said, take me, put me anywhere. Let me do investigations. Let me do creative stuff. Let me do, let me use my brain. I said, no, you're too old. Okay, I'm out of here. <laughs> so after uh, mm. all this wonderful training mm. I got, I left simply because they refused to let me work. They, 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 you know, they promised me some interesting job to do where I could serve my country and help out, and then they wouldn't let me do it. So, you know, I left. But it was interesting. Uh, but the training you get is firearms retention. Uh, they have retention holsters. You can buy holsters that, are, that have retention uh, ability. You know, someone can't just grab it and pull it out of your holster. They have to do something. There's yeah, some action that's yeah, required. Level, level three, yeah, level three retention yeah. for law enforcement. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, the, well, see, anybody should be able to get a level three holster. Mm-hmm. You know, if you can buy a gun, you should be able to. You know, is there any restrictions on level three security uh, retention holsters? Nope. Okay. Nope. Right. But if you're a citizen, it has to be concealed. In fact, one of the, the problems with concealed uh, around here is that people are, they used to be worried about this. They actually changed the law because of it, that people were worried that uh, if uh, they reached up at the grocery shelf and exposed their gun or if they, if they wore a shirt that was a little tight or the wind blew and it was, it was printed and people could see a gun you know, being carried under your shirt, that was then for a while that was considered unconcealed. So they changed the law and said, no, incidental exposure or printing is not uh, you're not considered to be unconcealing at that point. It's still considered to be a concealed firearm if you've made an effort to conceal it. And in Florida, of course, it's so hot here that uh, there's a lot of people who just put a shirt over it. <laughs> you know? And so right. you know, buy, right. buy bigger shirts, folks. <laughs> that's, that's what all this do anyway. Um, so, yeah, so there's all kinds of things. And there are holsters, really great holsters out there, you know, the inside the waistband holster. So it's pretty concealed. You know, you'd be hard-pressed to see it on most people. So that's why you don't know. But uh, the normalization, I think, is critical. Uh, especially in a state like Massachusetts, if they ever get it. So would you, would you be interested or you want to think about that? But, uh, or maybe since you are a firearms instructor and you have access to other firearms instructors and you're in a club, say a broad-in gun club, that's the perfect group to do this, even if you have a barbecue. And what if you, this is what I want to do in San Francisco. I want to have a Second Amendment barbecue in Golden Gate Park. You know, and I was thinking, of course, we tell the police, hey, guys, here's what we're going to do. You know, we want to be open carrying. We want to invite you to our, our barbecue, but we want to do a little civil disobedience because it was against the law. And as a, but civil disobedience is how we got the Civil Rights Act. So, you know, are you a hero or are you a villain? Well, it depends on, on, on who, who's talking. Um, but I tried to do that. Of course, there was no interest and the police didn't want to do it. And nobody had the guts to do it except me. <laughs> you know, so uh, uh, it didn't happen. But uh, what if you hosted a barbecue at your rod and gun club and everybody carried openly? Is that private property? Because they yes. probably do it. Okay, oh, yeah. so if it's private, so start there. Start with, uh, with an open carry barbecue. And don't let people show up unless they're open carrying. So that's, that's, that's your entrance requirement. You've got to be carrying the gun if you're over 18 or 21 or whatever it is. Um, mm-hmm. Is it 21 to own a gun in, in Massachusetts yeah. or 18? Yeah, see, that's crazy too. So here's another question. If we give rights to people at um, 18, you can get married, you can sign a contract, you can start a business. You know, your, your taxes go from student to, if you're working, you know, full, you can serve in the military, you can die for your country, you can do all these different things. But why can't you own a gun until you're 21? That doesn't make sense. I agree. Yeah. So that'd be a good, uh, good bill for you to uh, put forward if you're interested. We're trying to do that here. We've got a group called Florida Carry. I was like, guys, you've got you to straighten out the Constitution. You know, this, this, they actually passed an amendment that, uh, you know, you can't own a handgun until you're 21, but a long gun at 18. Well, that, that's, that's, that's against the 14th Amendment Equal Protection Clause. Why are you discriminating against 18-year-olds, 18 to 21-year-olds? You're either an adult or you're not. So as we use the example here, the 19-year-old single mother 
who can't buy a handgun and protect her kids while she's strolling, you know, through whatever neighborhood she might happen to be in. I said, you mean to tell me because she's 19, she can't buy a gun and protect her kids? She has to wait till she's 21? That makes no sense. And it's unconstitutional for two reasons, the Second Amendment and the 14th Amendment. You guys ever get in these legal discussions or no? Because I do, <laughs> obviously. Uh, yes, yes, sometimes, depending on, now again, my, <clears throat> my interactions with uh, members of the Rod and Gun Club and students when we, when we teach these classes. And occasionally these, these come up. But because of their students, most of them are, let's say, new to the, uh, to the firearms world. So, okay. so they're not really thinking about that. They're hmm. thinking about, hey, what handgun should I buy? Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. And, and then the discussion is, well, what do you think you want to do with it? Yeah. And, and what you is know, your hand? Be a, <laughs> this is the first thing. What can you hold? Right. You know? yeah. Right. So we do a consultative sales process, even though we don't sell guns at the, at the Rod Gun Club, just me as, mm-hmm. as a person from one person to another well let's talk about what is your need and then how would you go about it and anyway but I, as an instructor let me just be clear i'm not like an nra certified instructor i cannot sign off on the training certificate i am a volunteer instructor oh, and what okay. that means and what that means is that as a member of the club i volunteer my time <clears throat> excuse me during these classes to help the lead instructor uh perform his task so he's and I'll take another step back. Yes, he's certified. He's the one who's going to sign the training certificate. Okay. And the rest of us kind of help with the students when they pick up their firearms. If the firearms are on the table and the, the lead instructor will say, okay, I want you to pick up the semi-automatic and I want you to do this, manipulate the slide, load the magazine, what have you. And, mm-hmm. and one of my jobs is to kind of help the student if they're having an issue manipulating the firearm. I also substitute for a certified instructor. So we've got this guy who comes down from New Hampshire, and he has you know, he has a business that often needs his time on Saturdays, which the days we teach the class. And when he cannot make it, I step in and substitute for him on certain topics like introduction to ammunition. So I, I, I give a lecture on ammunition. Oh. I give a lecture on on uh, concealment holsters storage of firearms, and then cleaning. So those are the sections that I instruct when that other person cannot be at the class for that day. So I do have some hands-on, uh, you know, real instructor work as well as being a coach. But that is my, that's, that's what I do in, in, in these uh, classes. And I find it very rewarding because you take people who come in at 8.30 in the morning, Saturday morning, drinking their coffee. They have <laughs> fundamentally zero knowledge. And at the end of the day, 4, 4.30, they come out with a certificate of achievement. Now they theoretically have fundamental, very basic knowledge of gun safety and right. handling. And now, now their journey continues uh, from that point. And, and you find it, uh, again, very rewarding that, People will come in and are noticeably nervous about handling firearms at first, and then we go down to the range in the afternoon. Did you ask them why? Live fire. 
Oh, you did, I was going to ask you about live fire, but but are people are but are they nervous? The reason I, mean, I expect people to be nervous. I, I used to teach flying. Yeah. If somebody wasn't a little bit nervous before the first flight, I didn't want to teach them because it's unnatural to hop in a small airplane, you know, with the controls right in front of you and the, and the instructor me says, "Go ahead, try it." You know, that's not normal. Yeah. So I, the right. people that were not nervous at all, I wouldn't teach because I, yeah, you got a problem here. I mean, there's no restraints on them. But is the nervousness perception from uh, anti-gun propaganda or is it nervousness from this is new, different, and this thing is a very powerful thing and it can take lives? You know, so is well, it based well, on the actual gun or the perceptions that people bring with them from the anti-gun world or both? So that's an interesting, that's an interesting question that I've not asked of my students. Okay. I'm sure there's some combination of the above. I don't know what the percentage mix is. In, in the hundreds of classes I've been a part of uh, down on the range when we do live fire, even uh-huh. though the students have been given the, the dry fire upstairs, this is how you take the revolver, how to load the dummy, and upstairs we load the dummy ammunition. Yeah, it's not real. The trigger. They know the dummy load. rounds aren't real. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, yeah. You're, you're not out. It's not the, the rubber meeting the road yet. <laughs> you put live ammo and in. And then when they, yeah, and yeah, they seem yeah. to be, they, they seem to have the, the physical and mental capability to handle the firearm upstairs with uh-huh. minimal visual shaking of their hands. Uh, as soon as we get downstairs and live fire, they put the uh, ear protection on, they put the eye protection on if required, and they're mm-hmm. downstairs with live ammunition. People are shooting in the bays next to them. You can definitely see there's a subset of students, again, whose, whose hands are visibly shaking. And, yeah, that's, that's just human behavior, the uh, normal distribution, Gaussian distribution of human behavior when they're yeah. doing something that is perceived to be somewhat dangerous, even though, even though we've tried to assure them that you are in complete control of this firearm. No firearm, uh, no modern well-built firearm will just discharge on its own while just laying there. So, you, so just understand that, that you can just breathe, take your time, mm-hmm. double-check if something if you want to, and then when you're ready, bring the firearm up, sight picture, sight alignment, sight picture, squeeze, you know, oh, we go through the whole thing. So. Yeah, the nervousness is, uh, you know, maybe one out of every 10 students is particularly noticeably nervous and, and that the, the coach on the firing line needs to pay particular attention to him or her. And, and it goes fine. After, usually after the session is, you know, how would you feel? You, 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 you know, you were completely safe with the firearm. You control the firing mechanism. How would it feel? She was okay. He or she would say, oh, okay. I feel good. This is the best part of the class. And that's, and that is a lot of the positive feedback. And, and uh, one of the reasons why I, I do this class, they come out of the session, come out of the live fire session. You know, they take their eyes and ears off. They look at their target. And they, hey, look, nine out of 15 shots were on the paper. Uh, you know, two out of three of the 38 specials. We shoot both uh, 22 and uh, 38. Mm-hmm. And that's that's not bad. And you j- just practice your technique. We'll we'll put more shots on target, and um, you know have a good yeah, life. Yeah, twenty-two aim well is better efficient. than a thirty-eight off the paper. <laughs> you know, so people say I need the bigger caliber. No, you don't. We can talk about that. This is fun. Um, what I would suggest, and what I do when I teach um, people uh, that have never shot a gun before, 
is I don't have him really aimed that carefully the first couple of rounds. I just want him to feel it because they're worried about the recall. They're worried about the noise. And I also use double protection for hearing, you know, the earplugs and the headsets. Uh, and that takes a lot of the anxiety out of it and a lot of the flinching out. So if you use the double protection and just say, look, just loosely, I mean, point the gun to the target, yes, because we don't want bullets going, you know, we don't know where they're going. But I said, just feel the gun, feel the recoil, get the sensation of shooting a gun. Then we'll, then we'll get to aiming. Uh, and that usually disarms a lot of stuff because they're so, if they're so concerned with aiming, they're still nervous about that first shot. You know, it's the first shot that's always the worst. You know, and so once they get that first shot, maybe maybe two more after that. And just, okay, now you felt the gun. You know what it's like. It's not doesn't flip under your hand out of control. It doesn't recoil back in your face. It just it just stays pretty much, especially with a twenty two, stays out there. You've got control of it. You can hang on to it. Okay, now let's start aiming. And I find that to be much more effective because now they they sort of disarmed that 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 danger feel because the, the the propaganda. It's almost like you want to have a, um, a like a, a little segment on anti gun propaganda. Here's what you're told, folks. You're told these things will flip out of your hands. You see people being shot in the movies, and they go backwards out through 15 walls and out onto the pavement. Doesn't happen that way. <laughs> you know, there's no more force of the bullet going forward than the equal and opposite reaction coming back into your hand. You know, it's uh, it's just that uh, they're very fast and very small and, and very lethal, but they they go where they're pointed. You know, where where the gun is pointed, that's where the bullet's going to go. And there's only so much recoil and so much noise, and you can control that, um, especially with with good hearing protection. What I want to get to, we have one of our bills here. I want to talk more about this in a different show on legislation because we have legislation that uh, that says that uh, you know silencers, suppressors should absolutely be available to everybody. There's no reason that you have to choose to lose your hearing to, to save your life. That to me is insane. So there's one of the the, the laws I'm trying to change. Uh, it's on our, our on our gun bills. You know, if you join our Action Radio Gun Group, I think I should post them more often. So much I need to do with this, um, but that's a big thing. I don't know if you talk about that at all in the course, that uh, guns are loud, you know, and what you hear on the range is not what you're going to hear in real life. So, so understand that until we get the law changed, then people can actually have, you know, suppressors. This seems to be loud. You may lose some hearing, all of your hearing, maybe temporary, maybe permanent, but uh, that's one of the consequences of saving your life. So it's not something you do, you know, uh, capriciously. But that's not a choice people should have to make. Yeah, people should not have to make the choice of, of losing their hearing to save their life. That's what I'm getting to. Hmm. You don't have to elaborate. That's okay. <laughs> All right. Let's talk yeah, about well, Washington. Uh, so, yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah. That's a good point. So in, in Massachusetts, as one could probably guess, mm-hmm. suppressors, silencers, but suppressors are illegal. Mm-hmm. It is illegal to possess mm-hmm. a, a uh, silencer or suppressor. It's also, another part of the, the law here, it's also illegal to possess ammunition in Massachusetts if you don't have a license. And that, that even pertains to components of ammunition. So we, we, teach, we tell the students that, okay, you're going to go downstairs in the afternoon, you're going to shoot, you have mm-hmm. a good time. If you're wearing a hoodie and one of the casings from the semi-automatic, which might bounce off the, uh, the partitions here on, on the shooting lanes, and right. if it gets lodged in your hoodie, uh, and you're stopped for some reason as you head home and you're searched and, you, and the police officer finds that empty casing of a 22, which is, you know, as you know, nice and tiny. It's inert at this point. Uh-huh. That, that is considered ammunition. And if you don't possess a license, that, that is an offense that for which the officer can you know, pull you out and you can be charged with illegal possession of ammunition. 
just for having an empty casing either stuck to the tread of your sneaker or caught in the back of your oh, I, I, and I come yeah. out with <laughs> I go with casings in my shooting bag and you know I found them in my clothes and pockets you know so like shirt pockets sometimes you know that's why I wear a baseball sure. cap um, I got something interesting I got a call here and it's an unknown number so it's either a block number which I don't take or it could be an international call so what I'm going to do because I don't have a producer yet we're working on that uh, I'm going to play a commercial and you can stay on the line but I'm just going to play something real quickly here and screen this call um, so can you just stand by for a second? I'll be right back. I'll be here. I'll give you some music to listen to. Very good. Yeah, well, I, that's my Friday music theme. Anyway, so the, I know who the caller is, but it's, it's, the number's not showing up on my board. And I don't, I don't take numbers unless I know who it is. But I know this caller because he's called before. So let's bring, uh, let's bring Sarge onto the show. And uh, Sarge, you had a question for Dave or a comment for Dave? Yeah, I'm really glad to hear you uh, speaking with this, um, the way you're speaking about the need for training and the, need, and the methods to uh-huh. properly train people in the use of firearms because, after all, you know, these people – these anti-gun people love to tell us that, you know, we really shouldn't have firearms because most of us don't have adequate training or knowledge about how to use them, and that's their little hook they use to further restrict them to us. But I have a coterie of friends here in Georgia, and, um, you know, we uh, do a public service by going out in the southwest part of Georgia and killing feral hogs. They do so much damage to crops and farmland and uh you know they're a real b- big nuisance problem in georgia and we our weapon of choice is the ar-15 because it's such a versatile weapon that you can chamber in so many different rounds there's about 135 different cartridges available for the ar-15 and toward that end we've been enlisting other people in this sport i guess you could say and also simultaneous public service and we i have a couple of, since I'm a gunsmith, I have a couple of AR-15s that are, I have are completely military spec parts. In every respect, they are AR-15 save for the chamber. I mean, Still save semi-auto? for the barrel Just want to make and sure. the bolt. <laughs> yeah, they're semi. They're completely. Everything okay. is the same as an AR-15 except for the uh, bolt carrier and the barrel. They're chambered okay, I, at 22 sorry. rim fire. I got to I got to just for a second because we have limited we have limited time. So I want to get you to question because I want to ask David about this because you know the quote, assault weapon question. Um, so let me ask you something really quickly though. An AR-15, I would think like a 44 Magnum or a 3030 or something like that because hogs are tough. 
um, to hunt with. But why the AR-15? What is there a special round? Is it a heavier bullet? What do, What do you hunt with? And then, I'll, and then I'll get Dave's response. Oh well, no. I the one I use for hog hunting is a chambered in 300 hammer. The barrel is 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 chambered for a round called 300 hammer. It has ballistics that are pretty much identical to the 3030 30 Henry. Uh, uh, 30 so it's not an AR-15. Okay, wait a minute. Let me let me just interrupt again. So 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 we're talking about an AR-15. That's not the typical .556, you know, uh, no, whatever this the caliber. You can change, remember, the 135 different cartridges can be are available to be used in the AR-15. 135. Well, the standard barrel. Of 22 caliber. All the way up to 50 caliber Beowulf. In an AR-15. Yes. You all you have okay, to do. Okay. So is all right. Change me, out the belt. The only limitation if you're going to fire from the magazine is a 45 millimeter overall length of the cartridge. Anything else you can chamber an AR-15 for. Okay, so hold up right there. So, but would you, let me just ask the question again, with the standard AR-15 caliber, the 223, would you use that for hog hunting? You can, but I wouldn't recommend it. I don't think I it's really it. a, a good enough round because of the, the way okay. the hogs are put together. Yeah. The punch through well, that gristle around their shoulders. You need a bullet that'll hold together and get through to the vitals and kill them humanely. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, hold on a sec, because this is, this is interesting. I want to talk about this a little bit, because it, it leads to two questions. One, hunting in Massachusetts, and the other, the, quote, assault weapons, which they're not. You know, I mean, they don't know what they're talking about. So, David, what's, what's uh, do you teach... Uh, AR-15, what, what are the rules in Massachusetts as far as AR-15? Well, in Georgia, the rules are Ge- that, Sarge, you Sarge, know... Hold on. Um, Sarge, 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 hold on. I know, I, I, believe me, I know. Georgia's a pretty good state. David, let me get to you. Yes, sir. Well, so recently, uh, Maura Healy, who was the attorney general, who's now the governor, uh, several years ago, she put out the rules and regulations, edict saying that no longer can FFLs in Massachusetts sell uh, AR-15s and the, the uh, semi-automatic um, modern sporting rifle that's, that's modeled on the AR-15 platform and the AK-47. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Whereas prior that's, to that ruling, yeah. prior yeah. to that ruling, there, the, the legislator, legislation has put out very specific definition of their definition of an assault uh, assault rifle which means like telescoping stock uh flash hider uh things of that nature so what manufacturers did to be massachusetts compliant was not include a flash hider and then Mm -hmm. fix the stock those are a couple of items that manufacturers would would uh, implement in order for their modern sporting rifle based on the, on the AR-15 platform to be Massachusetts mm-hmm. compliant. Now, since Moore Healy's uh, edict from several years ago, mm-hmm. any of those kinds of workarounds were also deemed illegal. Okay. Of course they were. Now, yeah. yeah. So now, so now what, what, what folks are, are selling quite a few of are things like uh, the M1A, the uh, mini, the Ruger Mini 14s, Interesting. which which are still semi-automatic, same caliber, uh, <laughs> ma- mag- Mini 14, Mini 30, fed, yeah, yes, yeah. magazine-fed, semi-automatic uh, sporting rifles, but they're not quote AR-15s. So and the uh, the, the Tabor IVI, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Ah. 
So yes, they, they are they are considered banned in Massachusetts. See, that's crazy because you know, especially let's get back to our nineteen year old <laughs> single mother again. You know, an AR fifteen, especially a carbine. You know, that's a, that's a smaller is a really good home defense weapon against a home invasion. You know, say she's got a gang stalking her. You know, I mean, I always use it's a great example, but uh, an AR fifteen would be the perfect. Uh, firearm to respond to a home invasion, especially if you've got kids to protect and you're the only adult uh, in the house. They'll go for single father. Too. You know, and so these these restrictions, first of all, they're unconstitutional. Um, they're completely uh, they're illegal and immoral because a gun is a gun. You know, the Constitution's very clear. In fact, I just wrote an article. I don't know if you had, did you, did you get a, a chance to read my latest Substack on you know arguments against gun grabbers? So we got some good stuff yes. in there. Okay, what do you think? Can you very use good. those? No, oh, thank you. Oh, that's right. You like the article too. Well, I remember now. You you, you oh, gave me a like. Yeah yeah. 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 All right. Okay. Well, I try to, to get these arguments out. Let's talk about uh, and Sarge. The only reason I had to, to meet you there is we, have, we only have five minutes left in the show, so I want to get a couple of things from David. And David, of course, think about coming back because uh, there's a lot we could talk about in gun reports and different uh, things because you're obviously knowledgeable about it. And uh, I need a gun reporter. I mean, I'll be honest. Um, we grew up in the place where the war for independence started. You know, we were on the Battle Green. We were there when uh, Jerry Ford, I was in the march, marching band in high school, when Jerry Ford came by in the Bicentennial in 1976. You know, we celebrated this. We had the reenactments. We had the people dressed up as the British, and we had the people dressed up as the, the Minutemen. And I was at the Buckman Tavern that morning at 4.30 or something like that, ringing the, the uh, not the Buckman Tavern, the, the, old, the old Belfry, where they rang the bell. Uh, and so, I mean, I participated in this and I saw this and I saw this living history and I got this, uh, this contradiction in my mind. Cause here I am, I've been in the country about four years at this point, right? I got here when I was 12 and then it, uh, and this is now when I'm 16. And so we're the same age. Uh, and so we're, we're there, you know, and this wonderful patriotic feeling, but there's a contradiction because Massachusetts is anti-gun. So somewhere along the way, they lost their way that the place, and I don't know if you felt the contradiction that, that, that I do, but I have this huge contradiction for me, for me. I'm like, wait a minute. What is going on here? They, the, the reason that the war for independence started primarily was, was gun control. The British wanted to seize the, uh, the powder and the ball, in other words, the shot, um, from somewhere in Concord. They didn't know where it was. So then British marched up. You know, and we, I read the, uh, the poem, the, the Midnight Mitre of Paul Revere, and, of course, the two other guys that get forgotten uh, on April 19th. So we're still in that, that, that you know, revolutionary ballpark you know, timeline. And yet, of all the places to have illegal, unconstitutional gun control, Massachusetts should be the last place in the country that has it, not the first. What the hell happened to that state? Where did they lose right. their way? Go ahead. I, well, I, if you could see me on video, I have my hands uh, up in the air like a big shrug. I have no freaking uh, idea. It's just, uh, it's just turned so far leftist. Mm-hmm liberal, loony, liberal, um, that, uh, I, you know, I, I'm at loss for words. You know, it's interesting that the, the left used to be the ones that had the great, were the greatest proponents of Second Amendment rights, because especially after the Civil War, you know, when uh, slaves were banned, the former slaves were banned, you know, being able to buy guns. It was the left that came out, you know, the, the liberals that said, wait a minute, you can't do that, you know, because it's a civil rights issue. You know, and uh, especially Boston having a strong Irish population, the Irish were incredibly discriminated against. The Sullivan laws in New York that banned gun ownership were primarily aimed at the Irish. 
you know, so you had the Southern Black Americans and you had Northern Irish Americans both suffering under racism, prejudice, and bigotry, not being able to own guns, and then it somehow got transferred to everybody else. Now the South changed. You know, in fact, uh, uh, you know, it became very much of a of a civil right, you know rights place, and especially when it comes comes to guns. I mean, Second Amendment is really strong here. Uh, it's pretty strong out west, except in California and I guess Oregon and Washington are, are going that way too. But the liberals reversed themselves. They used to be the ones. The Republican that was a party back a hundred years ago that didn't want you know the the peasant class owning guns. They they wanted the elites to own guns. And so somewhere along the way that reversed. So we've got a situation now where the left that preaches that preaches civil rights and uh, used to believe like the ACLU used to believe in individual liberty, but they don't defend the Second Amendment anymore. They used to. So the left changed from what they used to be. Mm-hmm. Just all the uh, all the gun manufacturers in the Northeast, pretty quite a few of them, especially all, all those in Massachusetts, have fled the state. So Springfield Arms, right, out of Springfield, Massachusetts, uh, you know they're gone. You know, Smith and Wesson, I think, if I recall correctly, and I may need to be corrected, but uh, Smith and Wesson used to build out here uh there are just a uh, new hampshire has six hour mm-hmm. they uh, still have it well that's european yeah, six hour. that's different six hours from yes. uh, um germany or switzerland germany. or somewhere i'm not sure where they're based yes and they but they have a big r&d manufacturing site up in uh near the seacoast area of new hampshire and they also have six hour academy which is a terrific resource for those in the uh-huh. region who want to take more advanced training. So our, the class that we offer in our little, our little town is just the requirements to, to receive a certificate of achievement so that the user can then go and apply for a license. And we, we, I usually tell the students, if you want to get more training about how to mentally and physically operate your new pistol in a stressful mm-hmm. situation, you can take classes at six hour, which would do intermediate uh, pistol, uh, sporting rifle or carbine classes, shotgun classes, which will be you know full day. You take a thousand rounds and three or four magazines, and then you shoot all day with the with, mm-hmm. uh, subject matter experts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so six hours doing uh, really well up there. There's Wyndham Arms up in uh, uh, Maine, they still make I'm not familiar uh, with the AR-15 platforms. Huh. Yeah. They're, uh, I'm write that yeah, down, Wyndham Arms. Bunch of, yeah, Wyndham uh, Arms. Uh, but by and large, Massachusetts mm-hmm. used to have a lot of uh, firearms manufacturing and R&D, and they, they've all left because the state basically, you know, gives them a little finger, and so they say, well, <laughs> we're going to go and build yeah, a new, Colt was new up there too. in Kentucky uh, and Colt was in Connecticut yeah, or Massachusetts yeah. somewhere. They were there for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, which makes well, sense, though. Uh, you know, when you think of the gun industry, most of, we're off the air now. We're, 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 we're in overtime, so we're, most of our, okay. our folks like our live chat's down but because uh, we're, we're extending a little bit, but it's, it's worth it. Um, but uh, these manufacturers, like Colt especially, 1800s. So in the 1850s, pre, a lot of these companies in the Northeast are pre-Civil War. Well, that makes sense because that's where the industry was. You know, yeah, that's where the, the, so the, the mining and the, the steel and the, the technology. The South was agrarian. I mean, they were still yeah, slave states yeah. at that point. So yeah, it makes yeah, sense that these people Canal. located. Yep. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I was just going to say the, the, the industrial northeast uh, mm-hmm. drove a lot of the, um, 
the firearms manufacturing for Civil War mm-hmm. and subsequently up through uh, uh, World War One and Two, a lot of mm-hmm. firearm manufacturing up here. And, uh, yeah, it's all and they had the railroads, they had the transportation, and they could get the raw materials. Yeah. So yeah. they had yeah. all the supplies were there. Exactly. Yeah. But then the laws changed, and somehow this became an anti-gun thing. Well, I explain it really carefully, or really simply, that the the difference in law between the constitutional right, which is absolute, the absolute right to keep and bear, is completely different than the use of firearms, which is statutory law, which can include things that are legal, which includes things that are both legal and illegal. So that's why the use of firearms isn't a right. The right is to keep and bear. That's what the government can't touch, because they cannot prior restrain you from keeping your guns. Yeah. yeah. All right. You're right. Well, I'm the only one that says it. I mean, th- th- that's my argument that the, the you separate use, which does not appear in the Second Amendment, from keeping and bearing, and all these people that say, "Yeah, we have restraints on the, we, we can put restraints on the Second Amendment." No, you can't. All rights are absolute, or they become government privilege. Well, what about murder? Well, murder is illegal, but that's statutory law. That's a completely different category of law. And once you deal with legal and illegal, this is why the use of firearms is not a right. The use of firearms is governed by legal uses and illegal uses. So, so when people talk about a right, and this is something I'm, I'm sort of developing this argument more in my head. Uh, I want to get Alan Dershowitz on the show. That's kind of like my dream, right, to just talk about this stuff. Great. But the idea of a right is the wall between the government and you. The government cannot touch something that's a right. Now, what you do, the action you take may be legal or illegal, depending on what you do. You know, it's like the old thing, you know, when they say you can't yell fire in a crowded theater. Uh, of course you can. You have the right to yell fire in a crowded theater. Now, if you do, there's a couple of different scenarios. One, there actually is a fire in a crowded theater, in which case that's a good thing to yell. Or two, you're going to cause a panic and you're responsible for possible uh, involuntary manslaughter, in which case that's a stupid thing to do. Right. right. I got background right. noise. Did your family show up? Oh, no. My, I... I... I left my room and I'm now downstairs in the kitchen because it's a little after 11. My wife is looks like she's in the midst of preparing some kind of a lunch. So I'm just walking around. Because I can hear it. We can hear yeah, it on yeah, the air. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hi, wife. Yeah, you put her on. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. Hi, wife. Yeah. I know. Uh, oh, she's stop it. They're embarrassing me. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'll continue to walk out onto the, onto the back deck because yeah. it's all right. Well, think about coming Outside on again. Now. Let's. Uh, l- l- why don't you go get uh, get your lunch or breakfast or whatever, and let's uh, let's do this again because this is fun. We have a lot more to talk about. Um, but I like getting into the philosophical, the legal, uh, and the actual technology. You know, what guns? You know, what uh, especially? You know, why not have an AR-15? What's uh, what's wrong with that? Um, but um, if you yeah. want to come back, you know, either regularly for like half an hour or once in a while, you know, once a month or something, just let me know, and we'll talk about this off the air. But this is fun. And your podcast will be available. I sent you – I actually did the link late. Normally, I do it about an hour before the show. <laughs> Today, it was like 10 minutes mm-hmm. before the show. Um, but if you go on your Facebook right. page, you'll find the link to this, the, the exact link to this show. Um, they still have my picture. I've, I've got a little problem with uh, blog talk on Facebook right now being censored to my, my big thinker statue isn't even appearing. So that's, that's kind of crazy. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. let's talk again. This is fun. Good to be back in touch. Uh, likewise, I enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, you let me know what you think, uh, how I can contribute, and I'll figure okay. out if I've got uh, I've got the resource to do it, and uh, we'll make it happen. Sounds good. Do you want to get, you want to do a shameless plug for your Rod and Gun Club, or do you want to keep them anonymous? Um, yeah, for anyone who's listening up in in the Merrimack Valley area of Massachusetts or Southern New Hampshire, well, Southern New Hampshire doesn't require any of this, but the Tewksbury Rod and Gun Club, we have monthly basic firearms uh, uh, class. 
except for the middle of the year, May through August, we're on hiatus. We'll start up again in September. So September, October, November, we're off on December. And then we start up again January, February, March, April. It's typically when we have uh, on Saturdays, once a month in those months, we'll, we'll hold a class. Just check out org, and uh, you'll find the schedules there. Sounds good. Do um, so you have a phone number or just uh, or a Facebook page? Uh, uh, well, tr- go to the um, go to the web page first. I okay. I don't believe the so we're kind of a rustic rod and gun club, put it that way. <laughs> so okay, a bunch of uh, you know uh, boomers who kind of run the place, and it's it's nice and homey and rustic, and not a, not a heck of a lot of technology drives the okay. place. So got it. Uh, to, with all due respect, you know, not, nicest people in the world <laughs> were just kind of the old-fashioned way of, of, of doing things. Go to the web Got page, it. click on the calendar, that kind of thing. All right. Two-Spirit Rod and Gun Club. Got it. Yep. All right, sir. Thank you. Thank you. We'll talk, uh, we'll talk soon. Bye. All right. Take care. Yep. David Chu, my friend from high school, who is now a firearms, voluntary firearms instructor. And uh, just, it's really great. I mean, I can have more of my high school friends on just because it's fun. Anyway, got some stuff to play here. A couple of all commercials I was supposed to play earlier in the show, but didn't get to because we had, this has been an amazing show. This one's definitely one for the record books. Um, so Sarge, you want to call back to uh, sometime we'll find an hour for you uh, or, or want to have an open hour. You want to bring up the subject of, of hogs and hunting and different calibers and guns. That'd be fine. Friday's actually the best day to do that. In fact, this Friday would be the perfect day to do that. So let me tell you right now, since you're still here, that uh, my guests are not here. My regular reporters are not here on Friday. Um, so I'm going to have a lot of open time. So, so Friday, if you want to call in um, during the, any time of the show, because I'll be just doing stories and playing stuff and things like that, let's talk then, because Friday's kind of like gun day around here anyway. So Sarge, thank you for calling. Uh, I'm going to play some stuff now. And again, our website's blogtalkradio.com slash citizen action is the main show site. Writeyourlaws.com, W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S, writeyourlaws.com. Uh, that's our legislative site. Uh, my substack, gregpenglis.substack.com, and our contribution site, givesendgo.com slash action radio. If you miss all that, then just catch it on the podcast. And I'll be back tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. with I don't know what. I haven't figured it out yet. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive conveniently located at 6715 Caroline Street in the historic district of Milton, Florida, right between the Milton Bakery and the Blackwater Trail. 
Whether you need an oil change or an entire engine replaced, this is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic. It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stores Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stores Automotive. I go there. You should, too. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't. Which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care. And now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Great Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is greatcare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at greatcare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Great Care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. Hello, this is Greg Penglis for our newest shooting range here in Milton, Florida. Stand your ground. My friend Jason Myers and crew are creating an incredible facility for our city. Stand your ground is located at 6632 Elva Street. The phone number is 850-789-1776. Their email is standyourground1776 at gmail.com. Here you'll find either in process or already going an indoor shooting range, axe throwing, archery, a rage room, self-defense classes, concealed carry weapons classes, security license training, paintball, a full-service gun store, and 24-7 online ordering. So come on down or contact them by phone, email, or website and learn how you can best stand your ground. This is Greg Penglis for Strike Force your source for pure energy. Strike Force is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strike Force, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code WYL to the discount code window at checkout. WYL comes from our website right your laws so you can get your energy drink a 20% discount and help action radio change the relationship of we the people to our government not bad strike force is at strikeforceenergy.com that's strikeforceenergy.com start your engine mm-hmm. 
Nation Radio, part of the ADHD Radio Network, the ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take. That is Action Radio. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.